The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN Podcast. I am your host, as always, Billy, and I am joined on this edition uh, by a man who almost needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. A uh, man of many names. Uh, he was When I started watching him, he was all night. Uh, then he became the hashtag scumbag, and now he's just the infamous. It's Ian Ambrose. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are we doing? <laughs> Not bad. I, 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 it was a little silence there. This is an audio medium as well, uh, but the video is just as good because, you know, it gets to see our faces. The first question is always the same. It's, it's the boring podcast question. Then we can actually get to asking decent stuff. But uh, <clears throat> people need to know, how did you get into pro wrestling? What was the moment when you were watching that got you hooked on it? Um, I don't know, because, like, I, I I think I watched it when I was really really young, but then I never kind of stayed with it. And then it was kind of around about I'd say like nineteen ninety nine summertime. Um, I wasn't like watching anything, but like I remember we didn't have Sky or nothing, so like I didn't really have any access to it. And um, I remember uh, being on holiday, and there was an episode of Raw, and when I was like on holiday in the Caribbean, and um, I was on the big TV. Uh, one day uh, they had this like communal thing at, at the hotel we were at and it had like a big TV and it came on one day and I just like was hooked um, I, I can't remember what it was I remember it was like oh, it must have been like Mankind, Undertaker, Kane that kind of era, 98 maybe and then like I, I kept staying in that room on, on that TV just waiting to see if it would come on again um, and then about a year later I went around my mate's house and we were all playing like Gran Turismo at the time. We we're all going around to play that at lunchtime. Uh, that's how old I am at high school. <laughs> and um, he had like a copy of Warzone out and he was playing it. And we were all just like, and he was like, oh, well, I'll finish my game. And then I was sitting watching and I was like, no, can we keep playing this? This is pretty cool. What is this? And, um, and then I kind of, from then on, I kind of, I kind of sought out on the internet, the early days of the internet, I guess. Um, WWF at the time and uh and then I just started buying VHS from like Woolworths when I had money I would like save my lunch money and then so that's kind of how I watched it until like obviously Sunday Night Heat came on Channel 4 2000 January 2000 I think that, yeah yeah and, I then, remember. and then I kind of I kind of that just had me hooked from then so right right time attitude era kind of might not have been the best time, I guess, looking back on it, wrestling wise, but it was it was awesome. It was if you were around at the time, it was you can appreciate it. If you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Some of it when you go back and watch it now, it's it's a little bit not even near the knuckle. The knuckle's gone. The knuckle's just uh, been disintegrated. <laughs> it's it's a little bit risque, but uh, I, I yeah, find the, the same. I find the same with like ECW. Like I, I remember just absolutely being obsessed when I was about fifteen, sixteen, and then I go back and try and watch it now, and I'm like. Like watching some cards, I'm like, uh, it's not as good as I remember. Some of the good stuff, the great stuff, is still great, but like, uh, yeah, there's, there's quite, on tip, but. <laughs> quite a bit of filler. <laughs> there's quite a bit of filler in there that, uh, yeah, uh, the people forget about. Uh, I mean, that's that's when like people are going, oh, I wish it was back in back in the Archdale days. No, I mean, some of it maybe the big stars, sure, but there was a lot of dross in in between. 
Well, I found myself recently going back and watching a lot of uh, like in your house pay per views, the early in your houses, and there's like some some awesome stuff on there. Um, and I'm like, wow, this is good. And then I'll try and watch ECW from the same time, and it's like, yeah, I can kind of see what like Jerry the King Lawler and guys like that were saying at the time. You know, <laughs> they had their stars and stuff like that, but then they had their their lower card guys, and it was just like ugh, a little bit hard to watch. Yeah. So, who's your favorites then? Uh, when you when you properly got back into it so you said warzone and you mentioned like um, and all that kind but who's your kind I, of who's your guy i like the rock obviously jeff hardy um had long hair at the time i was like gonna dye my hair and everything uh, <laughs> and then kind of as i kind of got more and more into wrestling i kind of i was kind of really was drawn towards like yeah vampiro and raven love those guys back in the day um but then i i've got a weird taste in wrestler like I, i'll I'm a huge fan of like the technical, super technical stuff, like guys like Daniel Bryan, stuff like that. Um, and then I'll go and watch like, you know, Mike Awesome, best of Mike Awesome matches. And then I'll go and watch like Nick Gage matches. You know, I just, a bit of everything really, to be honest. I suppose that kind of sums up your your kind of style. It's a little bit of, you, you've taken a little bit of everything uh, as you go along. There's a little bit of, of like, a little bit of Japanese style, a little bit of European, all kind of mixed in uh, to create this kind of, I don't know what, what even to call it, but just that. Uh, just, uh, I, I go uh, through I go through phases. I go through phases and stuff. So <laughs> I'll, I'll change up my stuff in the ring and then I'll be like, oh man, I'm kind of in this, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of loving this stuff at the moment. So I'm going to do a lot, try and throw a little bit of this in my, in my style on that. And I guess it keeps it fresh. So. Yeah, absolutely, and, and we'll go through your various uh, gimmick moments, and and you certainly uh, try to keep things as fresh as possible. So, going from watching it then, and uh, you mentioned collecting, and and I know that it, I know that you're quite a, a collector of of wrestling and and in general. Uh, when it comes a to nerd, a nerd, you can say it. <laughs> I I can't judge. Look at the wall behind me. It, this really. <laughs> No, I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally fine. You know, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. You know. <laughs> I know. If, if you're, if you're in wrestling fandom in general, it, yeah, we're nerds. That's just what we are. And uh, and some people go one step further and actually pursue doing it instead, which is just the next level of of nerddom. But you know, it, it's cooler because you're actually doing it. <laughs> so, what got you from collecting to actually pursuing it? Um. So I read an um, interview, uh, you did, and it was uh, Mr. News that's to blame for this. Yeah, it is actually. Well, actually, technically, no, because um, obviously, like, when you're a wrestling fan, you're still obsessed with it all through your kind of, like, your teens and your kind of adult, your, like, your early adulthood and stuff like that. Um, you kind of go, I really want to do this. I really want to do this. I really want to do it. I want to be a part of it somehow, you know? Like, whether it's kind of, like, you know, you know, any aspect of it, whether it's, like, the journalism side but yourself or, like, you know, taking part or even just, you know, part of shows, like, doing a commentary or something like that just if you kind of i don't know if you envision yourself doing it you kind of kind of try and seek it out and a friend of mine at uni um we used to go to wrestlemania like i used to get my uh my anniversary every year and if me and my friend we we used to just use our anniversary and we we started going to wrestlemania so we went to like 22 23 24 and 25 uh, which was cool um and we used our anniversary and he was friends with uh, uh, Nathan Reynolds, um, I, I don't know if he was at SW or W3L at the time, but me and my friend decided 
uh, it was November 2007, we would decide to go on W3L and start training. And like I kind of stuck with it and he quit. But at the time, I was kind of just a bit kind of, I wasn't quite ready to be. This was, this was sort of my early 20s. I just was still in my partying and stuff like that. So I wasn't really kind of ready to kind of commit to it. So, you know, I think around about 2008, I stopped training at W3L. Um, and then I'm friends with Alan. Um, like I've known Alan for a very, very long time. Um, he used to play football at the park, which is literally like 50 yards from my house. Um, and I think he used to stay up the street for me. Uh, I think his parents still stay up there. And uh, like we all hung out in the pub and that. And he'd started with, he wasn't too long started with SWE and he kept showing me all these videos and he was like, oh, you should come along, you should come along. And this was again late 2009. Um, and I, I kind of went once in August. Um, and I was like, all right, this is cool, but the ring was really, really old and it was totally different to the one that I trained in uh, W3L. It was like an old, I think it was like an old boxing ring or something. It was, well, it was brutal. Um, and then I was like, right, I'm going to try and get in a little bit better shape. And then I came back to sort of November 2000, 2009. Um, and then I, from then on, I just kind of stayed with it. And I debuted in March 2010 against Johnny Lyons. Um, so we'll rewind a little bit. So you went to 4S main zero. Uh, I was like, yeah, 22, 23, 24, 25. Yeah, so. And... There are some amazing matches in those particular yeah. shows. Uh, I mean, one of them had my favourite match of all time, uh, Edge versus McFoley. Uh, yeah. Being in there, you know, just casually getting to see that live. So what was it like going over to see? Like, I know by this point you hadn't started training uh, or, yeah. Kind of training. the later ones I had done a little bit sort of training when I was going to the later ones. So when you went to the later ones after starting training, did you have a different like perspective or, or appreciation for it when you're watching it? Because beforehand you would just been watching it, you're not actually doing it yourself. And later ones you'd be going, "Oh, that guy's the, doing the this." Later or... ones, the later ones were. Oh, hang on. What have I done? Uh, We've lost the video for a moment. I can still hear hang you. On. Hang on, my phone's just. Uh, how did I get on here? There we go. I'm back. <laughs> Weird phone technology. It, it seems if you turn it. It all goes to pot, but you're oh, my, still here. My screen right. is literally like, like the picture is literally like my whole screen. So if I touch anything, like <laughs> slightly, um, I so the later ones, like twenty four, uh, we went to it was our it was Florida, and me and my friend managed to get because this is when TNA was free, so you could get if you queued up, you got a TNA for free. So me and my mate went down to like the Impact Zone. <laughs> at like um, we went down to the impact zone and we stood there at like 9 o'clock in the morning and we were standing in this queue because there was two queues there was the VIP queue and the non-VIP queue and we stood in the non-VIP queue we were the only ones there and we met these other two dudes and, and they were there they were they were like I'd call you a typical wrestling fan you know <laughs> some people know what I mean by that but like you know just like they were just they, they looked like wrestling fans and they just they they just talked like wrestling fans you know um and me and my mate thought we were like really cool and stuff like that so we had our like fake like lanyards that we made like of like that we, we had our Wrestlemania fake like press pass lanyards that we made that we told people were like real and uh <laughs> um we uh yeah we, we queued for like must have been there. We must have been there about like three hours, and um, 
and then somebody came out and then they're like oh uh Dixie's seen that you guys have been standing here this long so she'd like to move you into the VIP queue VIP queue uh VIP queue that's hard to say um so we we moved over and then we got these little like these ticket things um so we could go away like go take a piss and then like get something to eat and then come back and we wouldn't lose our spot um and it was cool and like on the way in like Dixie came up and spoke to us and that and um like she was really really nice and that she was like, oh where are you guys from and chatting away to us and this was the same show that uh that highlander uh the highlander oh uh, 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 yeah highlander robbie yeah yeah we met him outside and this was the one where he got in trouble for for being on tv and stuff and uh same with the uh, like guys like uh chavo and stuff were there um and my friend, like, we had a meet and greet with the WWE guys, and Chavo was one of them the next day. And my mate kept asking, I'm going, oh, what did you think of TNA last night? What did you think of TNA last night? Because, like, we knew that Chavo had been there, and he was just trying to, like, shut up because they've got all these, like, people in suits around making sure that they don't say the wrong things to the fans and stuff like that, which is pretty funny. Um, and then a year later was Ring of Honor. Uh, Ring of Honor were doing a show in Texas, which was pretty cool. And again, we went we went to the ticket office right away, and the guy at the door was like, "You guys just come in. You guys can have a look around, whatever." And they were setting the ring up and everything. It was just like being at like a local show, um, except you had like Kenta and his entourage. You had Brian Danielson walking around. You know, you had all the Ring of Honor guys there, and like, yeah, you got your tickets. You can come in a little bit early and sit and watch. And like, the ring was getting still getting set up and stuff was still getting done. But the guy let us in, and it was weird, um, because it was just like a house show to them, so. But it was it wasn't like as big time as it is now or or later got on. It was pretty cool. That just that just sounds so surreal. Uh, just just it was it was weird because and, yeah. Chris Hero uh, held the door open for me and my mate to let us in. He was just like, "Oh, you guys coming in?" And he let, held the door open. Me and my mate just walked in, uh, which was again quite weird. <laughs> Especially when uh, you'd go on to beat him years later. But we'll get into that. That's a that's another subject. I, I, I don't want to jump ahead. I've got a habit of jumping ahead, so I'm gonna... <laughs> that, that's all right. Um, as, as, as always, a nice I have... segue, but. <laughs> I, I have I have a bunch of notes in timeline order, but I always seem to just move away from it and and try and find my way back. So don't worry about it. But we'll speak about that. That's that's definitely quite a big capitals, Chris Hero. Uh, so so you've had that experience, which again it's weird. I mean, even I would find that weird just going to a local show here, uh, walking in and seeing the ring getting built, and and but you're getting you're just wandering by. Brian Danielson and you've seen Kenta and and like I say Chris Hero opened the door for you. It just yeah, this D'Lo Brown and, and Jerry Lynn were on the show as well. Don't cool. make me more jealous of D'Lo Brown <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> um, so I mean D'Lo, so then I got that would have been a guy you would have seen in '99 when you yeah. were starting to watch it as well. So again, just uh, you, you do notice like the size difference between the the former kind of WWE guys and like the indie guys. There is like a. a genuine like the, the indie guys are kind of about like well, my size other my mate size are kind of like normal dudes and then you've got like apart from obviously because he was a huge guy but like all the wwe guys are massive and we know that was like one of the first things we noticed we're like wow he's huge compared to everyone else or i, I had that same thought when, uh, when i went to my first hell for lycra in uh center in Perth, and it was chavo that was there and it, i'd always see him on tv he's tiny yeah, in WWE world, and then when I met him, he was like same height as me, but broad, he could yeah. and muscle, and he could definitely kick my ass. And I felt so guilty that he blocked me on on Twitter like months beforehand because I was very harsh to him once, uh, actually not more than once, but I was young. Yeah, I, uh, I had to drive around with the tanker in my car, and he's a big dude. <laughs> 
what, what kind of car? I'm just trying to imagine, like, because I, I had a uh, Rob Terry and a Clio. It was like a, a Peugeot estate, but he kept falling asleep. So he kept, like, leaning over to where I was. And then, oh, I, I would just have to keep nudging him. But he was so big that I had to really kind of go, oof, to, like, nudge him back across. I was like, dude, like, I'm trying to drive here. <laughs> I was just—I was imagining you were going to say something like a, a Corsa, because because just because like, my experience with with the guy, big guys in in tiny cars, and it's just—I think uh, my, my wife's never forgiven me for driving Rob Terry about in uh, in our in our Clio. <laughs> because well, it, it got tested that day. The axle suspension—it's—it's it, uh, it did it did its job, but I don't, the car didn't last long afterwards. So from that point, so you made your debut in 2010. You said with Joy Lions, uh, who is a character. Um, that's I think that's the best way I can describe Johnny Lyons. So, what was it like getting your first match? Was that in front of a crowd? Do you remember where it was, and and what Kirkton, was the experience like? Kirkton Community Centre, and I always remember, uh, like the I was talking to Stu about this at FPWA the other day. I was like, as I remember the first match we had, and I was like, and I was like, yeah, you remember that? Uh, I think you were about my age now when I had my first match, and he's like, he's like oh yeah, yeah. yeah remember and I was trying to try to wind him up but he wasn't biting so <laughs> but yeah he was awesome um definitely the right person I had my first match with um it was Kirkton Community Center 2010 he was like I would say he was definitely like the top guy if not one of the top guys in the company at the time so I mean that was kind of like a big 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 deal um I I, I don't remember I still didn't had no idea what he was doing in the ring like he literally just led me around um, I made it look good. Um, I think I hit like four moves or something. Uh, <laughs> um, but it was cool because like the crowd were super into it. But I always remember I was wearing the only time I've ever worn a singlet because I'm I refuse to wear a singlet. Even I always wear a t-shirt instead of a singlet. I just I just I refuse to accept I need a singlet. So <laughs> the only time I wore a singlet, um, it was Mr. News's old singlet. I think I was wearing and a pair of. I think I was wearing a pair of Dave's, David Lowe's old boots. Um, and I was just, and I wore a t-shirt over the top of it and I looked horrendous. And I had this, because I was doing the all night enamor thing, this was like, it's part and I was trying to like make the social media thing work, but because it was like, no one was doing it at the time. And it was just before Zack Ryder was doing it. And I was like, I had this Facebook, your fierce t-shirt. It was so corny. And um, <laughs> I did like I did this thing where I did like the forearms in the corner, and then I stepped back and I went, "Lol!" Um, oh god, know, super <laughs> corny and super cheesy. And um, yeah, that was that was that was mental. Um, and I tried to make it work, and then everyone does social media, so the gimmick kind of went. Well, I mean, the whole "lol" thing—that seems like you're trying to you're you're doing the Fortnite thing before Fortnite became a thing, as well. Yeah. <laughs> There you oh, go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I thought when I was reading again, I was reading this interview that you did with uh, a single leg takedown, I think it was. I was who did the interview with you. And you mentioned having horrendous gear. And I I didn't realize it was a singlet. I assumed it was your pleather uh, trousers. No, that came later on. I had, I had like uh, A merchandises where I started buying all my gear. I bought a pair of tights, but I had no legs. And then I switched to bikers because I thought oh, I can wear kick pads and bikers. And I kind of have always worn kick pads and bikers since then. Um, I've Thankfully, I'm not as skinny as I was then. But uh, yeah, and then the pleather trousers came. But that was kind of like a Chris Hero tribute. 
because like he had like the play there. I remember he used to have the play there kind of long trousers at the time. Well, he did at the time or just be- just before then. Um, I think that's mid two thousands. Dating myself again, and I was like, I was like, I want to I'll wear something like that. It'd be cool, kind of like wear the the, the shirt, and and then I don't need to like because I don't have a body, so I was like, and cover up with this stuff, and it looks cool, but. I just remember every every show, at least one kid would come up to me and go, "Why did you Why did you dress like Elvis?" Because they, they had like a wee flare at the bottom, so I was like, mm. <laughs> "So you, you didn't decide to go down the honky tonk man route instead, then, and just uh, just embrace it." You're like, "Nah, I don't want to be. I don't want to be. I, I, don't want to I, do could, I honestly think now I could totally rock that. I could totally pull that off, but." You know. <laughs> there's, there's, there's not enough pleather trousers in in wrestling in general. So I mean, if if, if there's guys to bring it back, then then uh, you know you should just do it. Just go for it. <laughs> but I don't think it would work with the current uh, iteration of young pros. It'd be a bit a bit weird. I, I could I'll, I'll I'll maybe somehow find a way to make that work sometime. I will uh... <laughs> take on board. Um, so you had your first. Unfortunately. So, my research is a little bit lax when it comes to 2010 to 2012, just because Cage Match just doesn't have the records. And I will, I will go on record and say you're missing the the longest ever future division SW future division championship reign. Then uh, I have it written down year long <laughs> future division title reign because uh, because again I knew this happened. I just didn't have any records for matches to to, to put against. Um, so it wasn't long then. So was this? I think you won the Heartland Heart, Heartland tournament. Something like that as well, and then you became that, future division champion. Essentially, what a lot of like you know these a lot of companies now have their like their trainee title, um, their other showcase titles and things like that, and that's essentially what that was at the time. But it looked like a shoe buckle. It looked like some sort of uh, Amish kind of fashion accessory, which is a big black like solid leather thing with like a wee kind of strap that goes around the back and a big buckle on the back, and it had like. It's something you would see in like an old trophy store, you know, if you, you're going to get something made. But it was it was awesome to have because it was like to me at the time it was like I was like, holy crap! I'm like I'm like a champ, and I've I've had like no matches. Um, <laughs> again, same with the future division title. I was like it was a very similar design, um, not the the fancy race car belt that it became, but uh, yeah, I, I remember that belt, yeah, because I, I remember seeing it and and looking at it. And well, because when when I started watching, uh, this is just before the the SW title came in, so it was still the, undis- the undisputed belt with the stickers on it. Yeah, uh, so, <laughs> I remember that. Um, that was that was interesting, and and uh, if I remember the tag titles, um, which were still about for a little bit longer, but was it was it one metal and one was plastic or something like that? There, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was a very interesting time for belts. There was a real one, general. and then there was a a fifty pound replica off eBay or something. <laughs> Uh, so, so what was like? I don't know if you're if you're a belt guy, but you, you said you're excited to be a champ anyway. But so, what was it like? We trusted to be given a belt, uh, and we were like, yeah, I'm the champ. And we just did you wear it everywhere? Uh, I can't. I don't think I was allowed to take either of those belts anywhere with me. They kind of stayed in the training center. It wasn't until like the newer belts came along uh, that we kind of the real looking belts. As we should I say, we got to kind of take them home with us. Um, but like the old, the old style belts had to kind of stay in the training center, so I couldn't walk about with it. Um, I could take it, you know, home, do a promo with it, and then like, and I would like take it back to training the next day or whatever. But like the the real belts, they actually stayed. Like you know, the heavyweight title and the future, the other future division title would like you could take them home with you. 
which mm. is pretty cool. And you actually felt like a champ because you'd come home sitting on your bed or whatever. My kids dragging it along the floor or whatever, you know, jumping on it. Put it in the <laughs> fridge, you know, all the classic stuff you do with belts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's just like, that's just so passe now. Like, <laughs> um, so that, I'll, I'll just uh, fast forward. I mean, the matches that you were, you pointed out in this in this interview was was like uh, the triple threat uh, with with Martin Stallion and, and Johnny Lyons. I think it was. Um, so it was, what was that first two years before I I started watching? Um, was there any particular highlight matches uh, that you're particularly proud of, or ones that you learned a lot I, in? I think just in general, it was a case of like learning, just learning and kind of like learning how to kind of. Put things together so i'm glad there's not a lot of footage but like we had a lot of like the the more experienced and like the talent guys from like up north still working for sw at the time um when i was there and um uh i got to work guys like damien who's fantastic you know we get to learn from like johnny lyons um stephen magners is around as well and he was awesome as like a coach so like because like it's one thing like learning the moves and learning you know, being in front of a crowd and stuff, but then it's like you have to learn how to put it all together and, and make it make sense and kind of just go from just going out there and kind of going through the motions uh, to actually, like, performing and just, like, you know, working a little bit on the fly and reacting to the crowd and kind of just going with what they're doing. And uh, that whole early period was very much just, um, right, I've got my stuff. I know what I'm doing. I know what you're doing. Let's go and do it. And that was it, you know, and, like, the crowds were not what they became later on. They were still very kind of small crowds and that, but in those kind of intimate venues, you kind of learn to kind of, you learn when your match sucks because like you, you're not going to, if you can't get like, you know, like 50, 50 people excited, you're not going to get like 200 excited, you know? So mm -hmm. I suppose, I mean, wrestling's really evolved where, I mean, back in 2010, it, it was less about, stories it was more just one shots you had that you had that night uh to get your story across and get people to be excited whereas now um it's a bit more treated like a treated more like a business so you have these, these ongoing storylines and uh, you're able to use social media more even though you're you're trying to use it it wasn't as a big thing when you were trying to use it as it is now where everything can be done on social media uh, just literally everything except the actual wrestling bit itself uh, although I'm sure that there'll be there's someone out there. Elon Musk is trying to find a way to uh, make do hologram hologram wrestling or something like that. Which that would be great on the body because like <laughs> scan in uh, when you thought you were you at your peak. I don't know uh, 2015 Ian Ambrose. I'll put, that that's who's wrestling now forever. I just uh, <laughs> uh, that was a, that's the year I plucked out of my head. I'm not saying that was when I thought you were at your peak. <laughs> I can't remember anything from 2015. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when I saw you, the first time I saw you it was my first ever wrestling show, indie wrestling show. It was SWE Hell for Lycra nine, yeah nine, uh, Deer Center Perth, and you're in the main event. You were in this at the time a makeshift tag team. I learned with Sam Ross, uh, so it wasn't actually a team at that point. You were in a cage match. Oh was, yeah, I'm... it was something. <laughs> <laughs> and worst cage match in history man <laughs> you know what? i enjoyed it but this is my first show and i was just hyped on sugar and wrestling so i really think i was just like yes it's the best thing ever but no that cage was one of the scariest looking things ever when it had 
the rest of it was weird. It's like it's like you no, know, you, you get these shows now that are like very small crew and they do two matches. The body comes out in the second match, and then in the end they have a tag tag team match at the end or a battle royal. It was like that because everyone from the previous matches came out to hold this cage up. Kayfabe, uh, man. <laughs> what was it like wrestling in that cage? Um, it was we had it felt like forever we were sitting backstage and like we didn't get to get in the cage before I don't think we were supposed to go earlier right and um, cage match was going a lot earlier in the card right I don't I don't know if this was like Piper hustling us um, but we all went out for lunch like me a few of the guys and like all the legends were on the show we all went out for like lunch and that because we they were there over for the week and that and so we got to kind of pick their brains in that and Piper was like because you guys are putting on a cage match um uh and he said to the booker at the time he's like he's like you know what you know what? i think i think because like piper and that were supposed to go on last but i think piper maybe twigged that you know it takes like 45 minutes to put the cage up the card are gonna get bored they're gonna be tired and by the end they're just gonna be knackered so they went out on way before us and the card got switched up so we end up going on last so the card had to they'd been there for like i don't know like 20 hours what it probably felt like um I don't know how it felt for you guys in the audience, but there was that big long wait to put the cage up. And we were, by the time we'd been sitting around, we'd warmed up, stretch, warmed up, stretch, went through everything. And at the same time, you've got eight dudes in the ring in a cage, like who can't go anywhere, you know? Um, so it's just a, a recipe for a cluster, you know, an absolute recipe for a cluster. And, um, yeah, it was a nightmare. The cage was hard. Uh, I think Mr. News got shot into the cage and disappeared and went out the cage. Uh, I can't yeah. remember. Was it elimination or how did it work? No, it was. Just, I think it was just escape, uh, which you know made it worse. But it was just it was just escape because uh, everyone. I'm sure everyone was still in the ring when because Randy did the big elbow drop off the top of the cage or, or as near as damn it to the top of the cage, and then I think it was. It was Sam and wrestler we cannot name that was uh, that was climbing out either side, and then you Phantom won the tag team titles. It was it was actually uh, I remember I remember the finish. I think it was both guys had to get out of the cage. Um, I think I don't remember how it worked, but I remember there being people who were in the match on the outside because me and. Uh, Voldemort were climbing up the cage and the finish was we were supposed to drop off at the same time originally mm-hmm. I was supposed to like cross body off onto everybody and he was going to sneak out the door and it was going to be like one of those like both get out of the cage at the same time kind of finishes he kind of sneaks out um, and then we kind of go back I, I, I think it was always meant to kind of happen with the tag titles where we, we think we win leave the fans on a high but they get the belts back um, through kind of heelish kind of technicalities um but that got changed for whatever reason i think again i think piper was involved and he goes you guys should come off the cage at the same time that would be better you know the crowd will get it or whatever hate piper (laughs) um so we had to come off at the same time but um he who shall not be named is especially then was a lot larger than me so like gravity kind of took over and he hit the cage he hit the ground a lot faster than I did I had like one person catching me um and I like completely missed them and landed on the floor uh 
so yeah, the, we botched the finish and I got hurt. Um, so <laughs> great memories of that. Great I like to remember. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Again, I, I blame Piper for that. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, again, that was my first show, so I was I was just hyped for for all of it. I didn't even notice this, these these bits. I knew I knew something had, had gone wrong because, I mean, anyone's seen the pictures of the cage or was there at the time. It's fairly certain that's not how a cage is supposed to look like, because uh, <laughs> it didn't stay up on its own, which is it was the, a uh, an artistic impression of a cage. Maybe I don't know, like a. Yeah, well, that's that's, that's, a, that's a nice uh, diplomatic tribute way to a, cage, a, tri- a tribute to a cage match, maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, so from from that point onwards, so this team with Sam Ross, then was this just kind of thrown together at last minute for the show, and then it became a thing, or um, we were, did you pitch for it at all? Well, I wasn't booked for Lycra, um, and he just kind of come in, and he was kind of getting a lot of momentum at the time, and me and him were like really good mates at the time. And we, we just used to, like, mess around in training and that. And we just do, like, we, we came up with the idea for the Weekend Warriors because, like, you know, a Weekend Warriors kind of, like, almost like a, a slight. I don't know, it was Piper. Uh, was it Piper? Uh, Piper used the term a lot. Um, but we'd heard the term used before. Um, the old-timers used it as, like, Weekend Warriors. They would call it for guys who weren't, like, full-time wrestlers, like, part-timers, you know. Guys that weren't really kind of, you know, good enough to kind of make it full time. So we kind of called ourselves the Weekend Warriors and we were hailed from Friday night to Monday morning. And and we were just like partiers. And we kind of, Jersey Shore was big at the time as well, I think, or Geordie Shore. So we were like big on the party and then the energy drinks and everything like that. And we just did these like mad promos. And we kind of got put together and we just kept going with it because, I don't know, it kind of worked and the crowd were seemed, to, seemed into it. And we could do like all these like ridiculous spots where we like, you know, tag the ref. You know, and the refs in the match, and one of us is on the outside, one of us is the ref, and we get away with all the, like the fun, like stupid comedy stuff that Jim Cornette would hate. You know, all all this just like stupid stuff you want to do, but like you know, like I can't do it. You know, and it was cool, it was fun because we had the perfect kind of foils, and uh, I can't remember their name, Stephen Magners, and um, you should not be named, we're tag team at the time, and they were kind of like super serious heels, mm-hmm. and we kind of had them to play off. But it felt like that feud went on forever. Um. Um, and it was like 20, 20 minutes of me getting powerbombed in the heat, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, definitely a, a syndicate of bad guys uh, that, that uh, you were against. We eventually did get the tag titles, and then I, I think a month later, they just got rid of the titles. So that was that was it. That was, that was yeah, the I mean, tag they, team run I mean, over. They said there was just like, you know, there's no other tag teams. We're taking them off, yeah. We're getting rid of the tag team division, so... I always felt like when they brought those tag titles back that I kind of technically was the longest reigning tag team champions of all time because I never lost them. Um, and I would have defended them myself. And I kept politicking and campaigning trying to get that to happen. At least have a handicap match or something or get involved in the tournament for those belts when they were around, uh, when they came back. Um, but no, they were just like, go away, shut up. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, there's no tag teams. Oh, that's fine. That's for champions forever. Then that's 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 yeah. like a you problem, not my me problem. <laughs> I, I am I am team. I am the tag team champions. I am undefeated. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so after that tag team uh, came to an end, uh, or it, it kind of just just went your separate ways. I think Sam kind of just stopped uh, yeah. for whatever reason. Uh, you end up in the European Championship tournament final, which uh, I think was when I I started coming back to. Dundee regularly to see shows at the Ardler because um, uh, you had a, your opening round match was with again another one we can't name 
so this is this is fun trying to to avoid saying people. Yeah, names. I thought I thought we might run into some difficulties <laughs> like that. <laughs> but we made the final though. Uh, Hell for like uh, that year, twenty. So the next, so you w- went from the main event uh, in the scariest cage match of all time. It's Roy Piper's fault. It was the main event to a European Championship final, which fortunately you end up losing to Rob Cage. Uh, but you, you had some some quite cool opponents. You had uh, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Angel Fire in there yeah. as well. So uh, what, what was it like? What were, your, what were your thoughts on that tournament in general? Was it just a and just another another day at the office kind of thing, or is there any particular? Um, I, I don't think I appreciated it at the time. Um, honestly, I think like looking back, it was a really cool because I was getting to work with all these guys from down England or like Wolf Alexander. He was another good guy I worked, and he was awesome. Um, but he was English, but he, he was doing a Polish gimmick. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why that, that was just his gimmick. Um, Gabriel Angelfire was also. I've worked him twice. Um, he he's just like. You know, really great dude to work. Um, Rob Cage in the final. Um, I think I'd worked him before. In one of the ladder matches or the pole match or something. One of the ma- one of the multi-man matches earlier on. Uh, and these guys were all great because they would give me experience. You know, they they teach me little things in the ring. Um, that I didn't know or wasn't learning at the time. Um, and a lot of stuff I didn't learn until I kind of started training elsewhere. Um, and other places that I didn't know and I was like oh wow this is I've, I've already heard of this but like we don't get taught these things here and stuff like that so it was, that was cool these guys coming in are really valuable for guys to learn uh, I mean because at that point you, all other places you may have been I think I think I noticed on cage match there was a match in, in Wales somewhere but you also had SWA uh, that, that you, <laughs> you popped in the, the Wales uh, we drove me Alan Randy drove down to stay with Darren Goss um, nine hours nine hours or something like that uh it was it was i mean you could probably you could probably do a talk a whole episode just on that that trip and that show it was just it was something uh that show um a guy got injured and carried out on a fire door and uh, oh god it was mental um but when we got paid a tenner for it it was like wow <laughs> i came out with you put it in a pot just for, just for the pet just for half the petrol back if that if you're lucky. Uh, I think we got paid petrol, but like our, our wage was like a tenner. Uh, I was like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> well, I mean, that was that was fairly early on. Was was did you have uh, no delusions of grandeur? You weren't thinking you're going to come in and and you're going to have the big bucks. Uh, were were you quite surprised about how, how little reward you got for? For uh, just I was always under the impression the further you got away from home, the more you could kind of ask for. But we never asked, I don't think. We just kind of go where we were given, um, which is a lesson I should always up front say this is my fee, which at the time we were still quite green. So we were like, you know, maybe I should have asked for a little bit more than that. <laughs> I mean, it seems. I mean, I don't know if it is the same now, but it seemed to be like a wee bit of a taboo subject. You don't tell. You don't tell other wrestlers what you get paid, but if you tell each other, then you kind of know what your value is from that point. It's like, oh, so and so is getting paid a hundred, uh, but I should get paid that because I do the jo- same job as well. So yeah, I always, <laughs> I always used to get really annoyed um, later on in in my career, and this is just me being a dick. Um, I always felt like all these imports were coming in uh, and getting like, or import or guys from like I say imports, it's probably not the right term, but so. You know, anyone that's coming in from outside of the company uh, is getting paid more than me. 
and I'm having the same match, I always used to get really pissy about that. I'd be like, oh, I'm taking the bumps. I'm doing this. This guy's getting paid more than me. <laughs> I'm here every month. I should be getting more. But, like, you know, um, eventually it kind of it works its way out. The more the more experience you get, you kind of learn how to deal with it. And you kind of have to – sometimes you have to – it's a, bit, a little bit of give and take sometimes, you know. Um, so, so sometimes you have to, to take a little bit of a cut to earn the experience. And then once you got the experience, you can take a higher cut. So, yeah, so it's all that kind of – uh, learn, learn I, as you go. When I was really, really kind of probably a, a very better point, I would be very like, we'd, we'd get somebody coming in, I'd be like, everybody rushing over to shake their hand. I'd, I'd be sitting there going, no, nah, they can come shake my hand. <laughs> I was here first, <laughs> which is again a terrible attitude to have, and I don't recommend ever doing it because you get, you get, you know, a little bit of heat from everybody for that. Um, it, it's, it's a terrible way to segue into the next next big highlight moment that I've got here because obviously that this this won't be we spoke about people coming in and, and all that kind of stuff. Your experience with Big Demo, so so not related to, to all that, but uh, you end up having quite quite a, a moment with uh, Demo. So he came in, he won the title. Uh, I think it would have been the year uh, that you had the European Championship final, possibly, and. You end up beating him for the big belt. So, from what I remember, um, <laughs> you didn't know you were winning the belt at the time until it actually happened. So, what were your th- what was it like working with Demo and that and winning the belt at, at, against him? Well, Demo came in early 2012, I think, and he'd seen a few of us on the show that, and he was like, "I'd, I'd really like to work with some of these guys." And he's like, oh, you know, I might consider, and this was like early, this was the last WA days, and he kind of taken a liking to some of us, um, the ones that ended up going down, kind of out and whatnot, and the likes of myself, um, Sammy, a few others, um, and we kind of went down that way um, to train. We started going to invite us down to train and stuff like that, so we'd start training, I think 2012, um, and I even kind of got invited. Oh well, I I managed to get myself on. The, the zero one thing that they used to do regularly end of the year they'd have the zero one from japan come over and do like a tryout and stuff like that martin as well um he was he was he was on it the year later um and then like working with obviously obviously with that it was like learning training with demo but we started having matches i had him i had one a one-off match early 2012 with them um and he he always seemed like like super kind of like he would always like take your ideas and then you kind of like make everything better if you know what I mean teach you like while you're in there in the ring um as well as coaching um and then I kind of slowly I, I did a heel turn after the hell for Lycra um and I can't the, the top two he was champion at the time and Johnny Lyons was kind of like the top I think the top baby face and they were doing like a face face thing they were both kind of baby face baby face and they kind of needed a heel in there i think um and they threw me in um because i'd kind of done the future division thing i'd done all this other stuff and i think my promos could kind of like start to elevate me a little bit and my character had kind of started to change a lot um that's kind of when i became the hashtag scumbag um i think in a promo for my promo for hell for lycra um so we uh i got thrown into the mix and I remember the booking meeting for the Bret Hart show. Uh, the boss had said he was like, he was like, I'm so close. I was so close to putting the belt on Ambrose tonight, but I'm going to change it. I'm going to keep it on demo. 
And I was like, I was like, what? Because I was like, I was just in the match, happy to be in this fatal four-way match with you know Demo, Johnny Lyons, and Claymore. Um, and I was like, and it was cool. Um, I was happy, but like if I'd won the belt that night, I was like, holy, holy crap! But it never happened. Um, so they waited, and then in, I remember oh, was it January. I did two matches with Demo in January, 2013, no 2014. Wait, I don't know. My brain's I've been hitting the head too much. I think it was 2014 I won the belt. <laughs> it was definitely uh, 2014 you won it. I, I don't have a note of the, the month, but I, I do have 2014. Uh, well, we, we worked the start of January, had a match, you went over, and then uh, I worked him again at the end of January, and we were planned. I thought, okay, this is just going to kind of, he's going to beat me again sort of thing. And he came in, and we are talking that, and we, you know, planned everything out like you do. Um, and he goes, right, Leave me with a finish, okay? I'll, I'll tell you out there. And I was like, that's a bit weird. I've never had that before. And I was like, okay, I'll just we'll work to finish and we'll do like a schmoz or something, but I'll let you know what's happening out there. Okay. And I was like, cool. Then he disappeared with Dave and um, came back, planned the match. And I'm like panicking because I'm like, I don't know the finish. I don't know what I'm doing. So we got to this point, but because Dane was such a pro, it's like me and you having a conversation now. That's what's like being in the ring with him, you know? You know, we can have this conversation like this and we're talking. The crowd has no idea what we're doing or why we think we're talking trash or whatever. Um, and then we did the finish. And uh, I, I, um, I, was, I was to cause a distraction. Sammy jumps in, hits him with a belt. I hit him with a code breaker pin. He kicks out. And then from then on, I didn't know what was supposed to happen. Um, so I hit the code breaker on him. Boom, I'm covering him. And he goes... I just I just looked down at him and I've got I'm hooking the leg and he's got a big leg so I'm struggling like this I'm like eh. and um he's like stay on me buddy you're winning the title tonight and I'm like and you can see the video that's on it's on YouTube um and I'm sitting there and I'm like what and I'm kind of sitting there and I'm sitting there for a minute and I'm like it was it was it was weird uh, it was like a reverse screw job I think it was it was weird because you didn't know what was happening and then I remember getting on the outside of the ring and then Sammy goes to me what did you do. Like she was mad. She thought I'd like I'd like legit knocked him out or something. <laughs> Proper raging. And then we get backstage and everyone's like laughing. And then half the half the folk are going, was that made to happen? Was that made to happen? Working the workers, man. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a classic from what I hear. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's working a, the workers. But at least to give you your, your actual like natural reaction from from getting it, even if it was just yeah. pure shocking and shocking. Uh, confusion <laughs> for did I was I meant to do this was I meant to win <laughs> at this point but uh yeah so so it was it was a big moment because I think I was there maybe the month before and then I didn't go to because it was it's a long way to go it's a long way to go to a show um and I didn't go to it and I thought oh it's fine they will still be champ by then I'll be I'll be all good and then suddenly I, uh, I checked Facebook or I don't know Bebo no still Facebook at that point it was, it was uh, Facebook it was Facebook and I saw you one I was like Ah, oh, and I was more disappointed that I didn't get to see it <laughs> more than anything because you were you were you were uh, one of my one of my favourites going down to see and, and seeing uh, an Ian Ambrose match, uh, but still winning the big title, and at that point it was it was the actual the actual belt, not the the old uh, style. It was, it was a nice belt. It was a nice belt. Now it's not the same belt, and I just I see it and it makes me really sad that it's not the original that they're using just now. So. Yeah, I've, I mean, I haven't seen seen them in the flesh since, but it it, it's, it looks like a, a cheaper plate, just a flat plate, and not just as pretty as the Paul Martin belt was. Uh, the strap's not like, you know, it's not a Paul Martin belt, you know. So 
like uh, it's not Paul Martin, but Paul Martin belts are amazing. You know, TV quality, whatever. Um, that mm. was what it is now. I don't know what it is, but I mean, it still looks the same. Like you know, in the graphics stuff, it looks really cool, whatever. But yeah, uh, but when when you hold it, you know, you know, it's not the like, one that like it's got Roddy Piper's blood on it, or you know, anybody else's blood that's been on it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so not being so in my fridge. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, fair enough. That, that, that's the most important bit. So that's not being in your fridge. So when when you won the belt, from that point onwards, just just for curiosity's sake, when you see Damo when he was killing Dane on the TV, how many times did you tell your son that you'd, you'd beaten him? Yeah, loads. He knows. He knows. He knows. <laughs> Everybody knows. Uh, <laughs> I, oh, beat him, I beat him three back. times, actually. I beat him. No, I beat him. Yeah, I beat him three times, so. Yeah. And, and now he's now he's skulked back to to the UK just to get beaten yeah. again. I'm sure. <laughs> the, la- the last time I was in the ring with him, I, I messed something up and he booted me in the in the hamstring. I'll, I still feel it to this day. Um, still feel it to this day. So I, he's got a receipt coming. Yeah. <laughs> we go. I'm not I'm not saying Alan should should book it for uh, Discovery their sixth anniversary, but you know I'm not I'm I'm not not saying it at the same time. <laughs> Uh, we've got got a bone to pick with with them. Um, so yeah, win the title. So you, now you've went from winning the their student title, their tag title, their future division title, and now I don't know if if, if the history books. I don't I haven't looked at them but for a very long time, but you must be the only guy that's that's won this Grand Slam uh, of, of belts. Claymore as well. Um, he had won the old He'd won the old version, the older older version of their student title. He'd won the tag titles, the future division title, and the world title as well. Um, and I got to hold the race car belt later on, which was pretty cool. And technically, I was their first um, briefcase holder as well, which was pretty cool. So, right, so you've pretty much done it all in in uh, in SWE. Completed it. Complete, yeah, completed it. You don't, need, you don't need to go back. So <laughs> after you won the, the the title from Big Demo, the next big match I had I've noted down is. Uh, I know my timeline's probably getting out of order because I've just had to scribble things down. Um, you were at the the debut Discovery event. Yes, uh, yeah. So the debut one, and you're in the main event, you know, just casually in the main event, with uh, Chris Sabin, Damien, and Lewis Garvin. So in the ring with Chris Sabin, you're a, a Ring of Honor guy, a TNA guy. So what was it like getting in the ring with, with Chris Sabin? That was really cool because, like, I am of the, like, the generation of, like, watching TNA when it first kind of the kind of the first boom period of like TNA and stuff like that more set machine guns and stuff like that so that was like really really cool to me and like he's a really nice guy as well um again height wise it's kind of what you'd expect but like again really really big dude like like really like thick yeah and like you know looks in great shape and moves but moves so quick I was like if I if I was that size and moved that quick I'd be like you know great but i don't move that quick so <laughs> um and like he's just like really cool really like um really cool it was really really sound um i just remember that match i got hit in the head i think it was from an enziguri from somebody i might have been lewis garvin i ran in and clocked me and i literally i like I, i'd never been sparked like that before that bad and i was like i don't i think i ran in too quick or something but i remember from then on, my legs were jelly, um, and the finish was like he was going to hit me with that like um, that like inverted kind of brainbuster set out thing that he does. 
Can't uh, remember what it was. Uh, no, it wasn't the one on the shoulders. It was you kind of like it was like a fisherman position where he kind of crosses your legs and then you kind of. Oh, yeah, I, I, can, I can see it. Yeah, I can see, see uh, it, but I can't think of what's called. I couldn't yeah. jump because my legs were completely gone, and it, I watch it back. I've watched it back, and it just looks like I'm shitting out of taking it. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, ah, ah, and I go backstage, and everyone's like, oh, what happened at the end there? And I was like, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> I was like, I just had pure jelly legs, like brain and muscles weren't like working together, and I was just like, and I, I regret that, man. Um, but but it was, was still it? really good. Really cool. What was like? Because Discovery came in just, just like with a bang, um, because they were, they were bringing in guys. No fear, no mercy. So that was that was uh, Mike Mondo. Uh, Crime Time was coming in as well. Yeah. Crime Time. So it was, it was quite a, a big deal. It's like a, it's it was like a, a hell for like This is their first show. So uh, I know you said your friends, your friends with Alan. Um, so did he? Did did you have any? Uh, discussions about the company being set up uh, at all, or, or was it a case of East Hill? Do you have got a company? Are you free these dates? We'll get you some matches. I, I remember early on he had an idea for it. Um, I remember, I'm pretty sure one night after a show or in the pub or something back in the day, he was like, he was talking about it and then he was going on about DCW. <laughs> I think it was Discovery Championship Wrestling or something like that. DCW at the time, which I think Discovery is a much cooler, kind of just on its own, Discovery Wrestling. But I remember in the early days, I'm sure he said something about that. Um, and he was like, he's all want to go off to or thing. But obviously, like, you know, still work with the SW guys and stuff like that. Um, you know, um, and obviously that doesn't work out. as any promotion. Anybody that kind of goes a branches away from wants to do their own thing ends up, you know, cutting ties because it's just the way the business is the way it is um and he had all these plans and stuff and uh it's, it's really cool to see how it's grown and become over the years and stuff like that um i think i was originally meant to be in a tag team when i started out there i think myself damien and we were gonna have ian stoby as our as our like our mouthpiece um i think that was the original plans but it, ne it never really worked out um, I think we were kind of all kind of still doing that Y division stuff, um, and then I took a break and then I never went back. So, um, well, I mean, at the, at the thought of uh, you and Damien's team, just the promos that could have came out of that—that's yeah, that, I would I would be sold on that already. Um, let alone having having anyone else involved. But um, so you did that, and you're still SW champion. Made some appearances, reckless intent. But the next bullet point I've got here is. Hell for Lycra that year, I think it was that year. Uh, your your main event was Stallion and uh, Martin Stallion, and you two were the kind of guys that, whenever I saw a post that was picking out two guys, underrated guys that that you may have never seen, it was always yourself and Stallion were the two ones that always seemed to to come up um, from from promoters and and what have you. So to to have you guys in the main event, it's kind of kind of showing uh, SW just. These are the guys we've produced. Look at them; they're in the main event and over the belt. But there was a little bit of an extra edge to it. The special guest referee was Dennis Stamp. What was that like? <laughs> that was cool. Um, again, because of my age, I watched Beyond the Beyond the Mat. Like I don't know how many times when I was younger. So like, I knew who Dennis Stamp was. Um, 
a lot of people nowadays probably no idea who he is but um yeah it was cool um when he came in i think originally we were supposed to get terry funk for the show and he was gonna ref the cage match but instead we got dennis so they put him on the main event um and that that's a match that like every year like me and martin for from when we started out to then like maybe a four-year period we're like one day me and you man we'll be able to help for like our main event it'll be me and you and it's gonna happen and we always thought it was going to be the other way around. I always thought it was, I was going to be the baby face and he was going to be the heel. Even even though I was still, I was getting pretty good reactions. To, I'm not supposed to, but I was getting sort of cheers and small pockets of the crowd and that were, um, which was cool. It kind of it kind of has that like modern kind of atmosphere. To, had, had that modern atmosphere to it, which was cool. And when you kind of get some people cheering for the heel, some people cheering for the baby face. Um, but it worked because like everyone was involved and uh, we kind of built this match up and we kind of had callbacks like i, I kind of was like we need to put like callbacks to everything we've done previously in our previous interactions so like we had a dive to the outside which i'd previously done um i think at the ddp show on him this time he was doing it to me um we had all these other little callbacks fighting in the crowd uh and we just kind of i think i think it was i i think I, I, I used to love it and then I hated it. I went back and watched it and I was like, I knew because I knew things that were going wrong and stuff. And then I went back and what, me and him sat down went like this and we sat and watched it together. And I think he still hates it, but I absolutely love it. Now I'll go back and watch it. Um, and Dennis Stamp was, he, he showed up and he was a really, really nice guy. And I remember we were trying to put this thing together and we knew what we were doing, but we had to kind of tell Dennis what we were doing. And um, we want him to know where he had need to be for certain spots. And um, I remember Dennis, he just started telling stories. And we're just like trying to like hurry him along. And Martin is just stressing out. He's storming back and forth to keep going. He goes, Ambrose, tell him, tell him what he needs to do. Uh, and I was like, right, okay. And um, yeah, and I was like, oh, hey, we've got this, this, and this. And we didn't think at the time, but we we're asking like uh, a dude in his, was it 60s or 70s? To take a bump for us, <laughs> um, which uh, we, we at the time we didn't think anything of it. We thought it's just a ref bump, it's fine. But like he was absolutely on board and he took it and it was really cool. I go backstage and everyone's like, I "Can't believe you made Dennis Stamp take a bump." And I was like, "He was loving it. He loved being in the main event. He just he and he was really he watched most of the show as well, so he was giving everyone feedback and that. And he was a really really nice dude. And he made you feel like you." you were a star, you know, like afterwards and he made us feel like we were, you know, main event stars or whatever. I did get in trouble though because I said the F word. Um, but I was kind of, my idea was like, it was, we kind of got to this emotional finish where he's like, beat me down, beat me down, beat me down, beat me down. I gave him the finger or whatever, said the F word and I, I yelled it really, really loudly. Um, so much so that um, uh, Viper, Piper and Evan Dewdrop, she was standing in, in the, the foyer and she heard it because she came up to me and she goes did you say the f word in your match and i was like i was like yeah because i heard it all the way in the foyer uh and i was like i was like it was really that loud and then like guys like damo and that were like you shouldn't have said that you shouldn't have done that whatever but i watch it back now and it totally if, to me it fits the emotion it fits the story that we were telling um uh, i like anyone who ever mentions uh uh Viper, just Viper. Uh, they, they always do the same thing. It's always 
Oh, I was speaking about Viper, Piper Niven, Dewdrop. It's like everyone's just like delete as appropriate as you go for that one. <laughs> but no, the same. I've same with Dennis Stamp. I, I went to the meet and greet beforehand, and I was just I didn't. I, all I knew of Dennis Stamp was beyond the map. That was it. I didn't know, so I wasn't like I was going to pay a tenner to meet him because I thought I'm not going to get. It. I'm not going to appreciate this. I'm not going to get anything out of it. So I met Animal, which. It's an experience in itself, and then uh, after after that disappointment, um, went to Dennis and said hello because he was right next to him. And I thought it'd be rude not just to go, and then go, and I, I I just said hello, and then he started telling me stories, and I'm like, I was just like, Dennis, I've not paid for this. I I will stand here as long as you want. I don't mind. I'm getting yeah, stuff for I, free. I imagine that, but you've just had your curtain call, and and he doesn't know what he's doing yet, you know. <laughs> But I uh, speak about the callbacks. I, I absolutely forgot because I, I have I had a video on YouTube for years of of the dive. Um, so because I, I think I still was, there. I was... It's still there because I I found it last year when I was trying to look for all my old footage and stuff. I'm pretty sure it's still there. I think I, yeah, I think I moved it to an, uh, another channel uh, or something because just just so I keep the podcast off all in one place. But yeah, uh, I was like yeah I was like two, second third row or something, and here here's a flying Ian Ambrose just like. A meter away from it, just, just flying. Yeah, I, I always remember. I always remember like Brian Danielson and Ring of Honor and stuff, guys like that doing the dive into the run. I was like, I gotta do that. I've got to do that on the show. I've got to do that on the show. And like me and Martin were put on on the DDP show, and I think we we're like second in the card. And I was like, screw it, let's just do some cool stuff. It looks a lot better from your angle than what it actually was, which is great because it was dark. And it looks mm. like a, I just fly him feet first. I didn't. I had him with this like really pathetic kind of like clothesline half cross body thing. But it looks because of the, the, the your angle and the the, the light, it, it looks uh, it looks a lot better than it actually was. And because it was <laughs> so we'll recorded, go, we'll go on, with that version. We'll go with that version. It was recorded on on a very terrible camera for twenty twenty thirty. I appreciate that camera actually. It makes me look a lot better than it. <laughs> um, did you did you have interactions? Because I was I was over the future division championship. Because that was when uh, DDP gave him the uh, the new belt, the race car belt, uh, that that evening. So did you get any feedback from DDP on that show? Uh, I didn't like him. I tried to speak to him, and he was just a bit of a dick. But I, maybe he was just at the catching him at the wrong time. But then since then, he's always rubbed me up the wrong way. And I remember he went on his podcast and buried somebody. He he kind of turned a. He, he said he hurt his knee or his back, given one of our guys. It was maybe an Allen actually. The diamond. It was Allen who gave the diamond cutter to yeah. And he, he went on his podcast. And he goes, "Oh, the kid was like super excited, and he took it wrong." And I was like, "I watched it. It looked fine." But maybe that's just. But maybe that. I mean, I'm. Everyone says he's the nicest guy in the world, and you get that generally. Maybe I just he was having a bad day or whatever. Maybe he just thought about. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I don't want to get like any heat or getting any kind of. I don't want to be on like you know. <laughs> I think I'm, I could safely say DDP is not going to listen to my podcast, but you know, you never know. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I'm just like, well, I, I don't get it because I tried. I was like, I was just going, hey, I was wondering if I get a little bit. He goes, yeah, I'll get you in a minute. And I was like, and then he never came back to me. And I was like, I was like, what? I was really, really polite. And I, he wasn't, I don't think he was even talking, he wasn't even talking to anybody, but I was like, yeah. But, uh, that was that kind of that uh, that chip on the shoulder kind of attitude, like mm-hmm. kind of had back then, where it was just like, you know, screw you. <laughs> no, I, I mean that's the same opinion I had with Animal, because um, when I met him, everyone was going, "Oh, he's so nice, he's chatting to everyone." And then when I met him, I had uh, two Hasbros. I had a Hawk and Animal Hasbro, 
but they were just out of the box because I bought them in a, a car boot sale. And I showed him them and he went, oh, if you had the box, I, I would sign them. And then that was the end of the conversation. Didn't I thought I thought taking them out would have, I would have got like a nice wee memory or something. Now he just went, oh, they're in the box, so I signed them, and then stopped speaking to me. So, all right. I had two. I had two interactions with him. Um, uh, the first interaction was uh, I was sitting backstage getting changed, and um, I can't remember who it was. Uh, it was Lassie that used to hang about, and she was kind of always in charge of she, she was put in charge of like helping with like the talent and stuff um i can't remember her name she came up to me goes you need to move uh and i was like i was like why she's like uh he needs the seat and i was like i was like why should i have to move and then everyone's going to get just move wherever i was like i'm in the i'm in the main event here you know what <laughs> again again know that kind of chip on my shoulder kind of like you know uh but I moved and that, and then I was I was just put me in a bad mood for like ten minutes, and then he came up to me and I was like, "This is when I wore the jacket for the first time, the I Am God jacket." Mm-hmm. And he came up to me and he goes, "Hey man, I really like your jacket. That's that's like heat. That's heat. That's really cool." And then I talked to him after, and it was cool. And I forgot all about the fact that he just nicked my seat. <laughs> oh, he needed that seat to put on his fresh joggies or something. Oh, that, that whole show, that that, that you you the match your match with Stallion saved that show for me because I I I was so annoyed when Animal didn't even wrestle and he came out in his his nice t shirt and his joggies and I was like I think, I think John the Bomb <laughs> broke his shoe or something doing the demolition device or whatever the I'm sure somebody broke their shoe in that in that. Uh... Can't I need to go back and I need to go back and see it, but I'm sure John was it John the Bomb Graham, maybe? He he definitely came out. He did the, the device with, with Animal. He put through his shoe or something like that, or his foot came at the bottom of his shoe or something, I remember or something. I remember that. I remember being an absolute mess because like they were scheduled to have a match and he just showed up in his trackies and it's like sup. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that was that was uh Definitely. I think I was last when I went to. I didn't think I, go, I went back after that. Not for any particular reason out in that, that show, but other reasons. Um, only other memory of, of that match with the Stallion. Uh, well, one, I was I thought he was going to win because I spotted uh, Raymond uh, in the pre like in the pre uh, show meet and greets and that with a replica title that had instead of the Scotland flag had the England flag, which obviously was just a yeah, gift. But I was looking at it going, oh, that's. That's that's heat. That's like that's money if you, if you have that uh, as his title. I don't, I don't know if he ever actually got to run with that title. I don't think he ever because by the time I think he got the world title, um, he was doing a different gimmick. So I think mm-hmm. I think he I, I didn't suit his gimmick at the time. But um, yeah, that would have been amazing. Um, he was supposed to pick the belt up then, but uh, he was like adamant that he didn't want to go over. Um, and then he was supposed to pick it up later on. Um, and then he had a fallen out with the boss, and then came back. And I think I dropped, I dropped it to Joe Henry. So um, just for him to have one match and drop it to LJT, um, which I was annoyed about. I was, I was, I don't mind dropping the belt to anybody, but I was like, I was like, it would make more sense if LJT took it from me, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so one, one, one further thing about that match, and we'll move on because I think that's the majority of the podcast we've spoken about just this one match. Um, what we, what were your memories when, when, because uh, I'm sure Stalin doesn't have any, when you did the call back to him falling through the ropes and his back of his head smacked the wooden floor, because that's the uh, sound I remember. 
Um, yeah, I remember because I, I remember I had sweet ass drop kick. Like I don't have drop kicks, and I had this sweet drop kick, and it was a great picture of me kind of up in the air. David J. Wilson kind of got a picture of me like feet on the chest, kind of up in the air, a, a beautiful angle. He took the drop kick, hit the ropes, I think, and then it, he didn't take the bump. And then he came back and I hit him and he took another bump and he, he, he fell out. So originally he was take the drop kick and then take the bump. But for whatever reason, he hit the ropes, came back, and I had to hit him again. And I don't know, the timing was off a little bit. But he just went, and everyone, ooh. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, no, because I wasn't worried. Well, I was worried about him, but I was worried about what was coming next because, like, I was like, is he going to be dead? Like, I can't go. I can't do what's next because I was supposed to climb to the top rope and hit the double stomp while he's hanging from the, the apron. And I was like, there's no way I can do that. Um, I knew he was all right because he was moving around and Martin's, like, tough as nails. Like, um, And he got mad. And so I was like, right, okay, I checked on him. Dennis went and checked on him. Dennis thought it was part of the spot. And he was like, that was a really cool noise, you know, afterwards. It's like, it's like that was him hitting his head on the floor, man. Um, <laughs> and Martin got pissed at me because I never went to the top rope, hit the double stomp. I just kind of ran along the apron, stepped off, and was a bit more kind of gentle with it. Um, and he got pissed at me because he's like, he's like pulling himself up. And I'm standing on the apron and he's going to me, he's going, go to the top. Ambrose, go to the top. And I was like, I was like, no, nah, there's no way I'm doing that. Boom, because I, I thought he was still half out of it, but he was all right. But the power of the mullet, that, that must have just what, what saved him that day. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned you dropped the belt to Joe Hendry, and then this became the, the era of the winged mallard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's the idea and how long, how, how, how did you find cardboard big enough to make the winged mallard? That was just me, because I'm like, uh, Again, I was just like, I lost the belt, and I'm like, I was like, there's no plans for me or anything like that, and I was just like, I was like, oh, you know, what? I'm gonna, I want, I want the attention on me again. So even though I'm not champ, so, <laughs> so I, uh, I was like, what can I do? Uh, and I was like, you know what, I can make the most ridiculous sized cardboard belt ever with tin foil, and I had like boobs on the side plate, and um, I had uh, my son Miles helping me paint it blue. Uh, and I put the duck, I was like, what's, what's better than an eagle, a duck? Um, so I was like, I put a, a mallard, the wing became the winged mallard, and it, uh, I, I, the cardboard, I just got up from work, you, the big boxes, Walker's Crisp multi-pack boxes that they come in and just took two of them, uh, and I managed, I managed to get out of one box, but uh, yeah. And later on, there was like a tag team version, uh, and uh Eddie Devine had like macaroni on his and <laughs> yeah but I was just like hey I want to do something silly and I remember getting in the ring with Joe and like nobody knew I was doing this and we had a promo like a kind of promo in the ring and, and Joe comes up to me and he, he hadn't really seen it I don't think and we're doing this, this stare off uh, and he's like and we're like face to face and he's like don't look at me don't look me in the eye because you're going to break me you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make me corpse you're going to make me corpse and then he held up the belt, and then I, I held up the belt. We're doing the stare off, and he's got the real belt world title. He's looking like a star, and I'm in like my Adidas trackies, and I've got this cardboard belt looking like a total, <laughs> looking like a total chump. Uh, but yeah, I had that for a while. I had that I had that for a few months. Eventually, it got ripped up. But 
I'm just. I'm glad that that Joe definitely saw the funny side because he always comes across as such a serious wrestler. No, I, mean, I hear him on his Joe's podcast. Awesome, he's an absolute hilarious. goof. But yeah, it's just just the thought of him just looking at you, uh, holding this belt up, this cardboard belt, which is ridiculous. It's, it's arrogantly big. It's it's, it's just like <laughs> that was the him. point, man. With <laughs> <laughs> a winged mallard. Um, so I keep asking Paul Martin to make me one legit, but he won't. So. I, I did remember back back in my youth making cardboard belts, but that was just that was next level. <laughs> the wing mallard. Um, so at this point, you were kind of, I mean, you were getting. You said that mixed crowd of, of people were cheering you as well, but I think they're starting to. I don't know if they just enjoyed your your the goofy antics with this belt that you you stopped kind of getting booed. You're you kind of getting more of a uh, face reaction uh, yeah. from that point. Um, and then they take a couple, they take a break at that point because I've got your next bit. It was the same yeah, year, yeah. but it was the return for the fast track. So, um, yeah. they, it was injuries or was any particular reason you took that break? Just needed a break. Like, um, I think, I don't know, I'd had the title for so long. I'd been there for so long. I'd had about four or five retirements, just purely me being like, you know, pulling at Shawn Michaels, you know, lost my smile a bunch of times. Uh, this time I was like, you know what, I'm actually going to take a break. Uh, longer than a week because uh, I did that before I took a week off <laughs> came back and I was on a Cooper show I'd, I'd retired the week before um, but this time I was like you know I'd take a break you know just kind of evaluate what I've done and stuff like that and then come back fresh you know I, I originally I wasn't planning to come back then but I'd kind of been you know messaging back and forth with with uh, Braveheart at the time and he was like He's like, oh, no, we'd really love to have you. We'd love to have you. Um, is there any chance you want to come back? Any chance you'll come back? Um, and, like, I'm always, like, you know, you know, supportive of them, even though I'm not there, stuff like that, you know. Um, and I was like, you know what? I will come back. And then I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. And he goes, well, I've got a plan. And um, it was help for, like, uh, it was the first Care Hall one. And, like, uh, they had this ladder match for this briefcase and he told me right what we're gonna do we'll have lights go out at the end of this ladder match you push whoever's off the ladder uh but i was supposed to wait till the lights came back on to shove the ladder but i didn't <laughs> i shoved the ladder in the dark uh the ladder which was broken um and i appeared at the top and then had a bit of a jack swagger moment struggling to get the briefcase down and then i pulled it down um but that was cool, and that's like one of the biggest pops I've ever heard. Um, and I went away, baby. I went, went, went away at technically a heel, so um, that was really, really awesome. Um, but the thing is, it was funny because like no one knew who was winning the the, the match, and they're all planning it backstage. And then I just kind of step up behind the corner. I'm standing in my civvies, and uh, they're all in their gear, planning their spots. Uh, and then he who shall not be named goes, "Well, guys, I've got uh, I've kind of got some news about who's going over in this match." And then I just appear. <laughs> just like what's up guys <laughs> I'm, I'm here I'm not taking any bumps so you just you do the rest of the work I'll, I'll just yeah. come at the end don't you worry I'll be the Brock Lesnar <laughs> yeah essentially yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, did, I did I did hit uh, Felix Fortune in the head with a briefcase on the way out though he was just like innocently like feeding up he he, he took a choke I felt really bad for him because he took a choke slam on the wood Nobody's seen it because, like, the camera, there, there was something going on in the ring. He took this nasty, the worst bump I've ever seen. It's horrible. Like, oh, just 
straight flat back bump on the wood choke slam. Um, I took on the outside, nobody's seen it. And then he's speeding up after the match and he pops his head off of the apron. I just go like, like skip him with the briefcase in the head as I go past. <laughs> um, I think that, that kind of led into your next few, but, but before that, the fast track wasn't to be. You were, uh, you were Mr. Candied. Uh, the, 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 the briefcase was put up, which actually in turn ended with Stallion winning it and yeah. winning the title. So it's a, a weird... A weird uh, connection that uh, you and Stalin always seem to have uh, from from way back when, coming up through the yeah, same school. And, and I had I had just shown up and didn't know that's what I was sort of doing. And uh, well, I showed up. I, I knew I was kind of involved in a match, but like I was like, okay. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, these guys have been busting their ass for like four months, five months without me here, and like I can't just like show up and cash this in. And you know, here we go back to where we were six months ago, seven months ago with the belt. And um, I was like, well, let's just like make it mean something. So let's have this like heated rivalry over it. So we went back and forth, like me and he shall not be named. There was a point where he chucked me in his boot and I was getting kidnapped after a two hot for PG over 18 show, which was, you know, weird getting bundled in a boot in front of punters. So there were everyone's outside and like, I'm not literally outside the front of the venue getting thrown in this boot and everyone's like, it's like someone off of the, TV or the attitude era, you know, like it's weird. It was really cool though, <laughs> thinking about it. But like, I get bottled in this boot and driving off down the street with me in the boot, and he's like kidnapped the briefcase. And we went back and forth, um, did some cool stuff where I, I'd like go cash in on LGT. He would come out and he cracked me, like he had me against the ring post and he smacked the chair, and I, I, I got color and everything like that. And um, yeah, it was cool. We had this kind of back and forth feud, and then. Uh, LGT was so hot at the time so anytime I came out we had this like we'd have these like face-offs and stuff like that and it was like well he won't he cash in stuff like that um, and then eventually it was like all right we're taking a briefcase off you we're gonna make we're gonna scrap it and you know put it in a battle royal and give someone else the opportunity which was cool gave obviously gave Martin his first like world title run as well which was cool so um, we didn't need, I didn't need it you know yeah, you, you, you've you've held the most prestigious one anyway with the with the wing mallard. You didn't need to to win the heavyweight again. Uh, that little done with Felix Fortune, though, if I remember rightly, it it, it eventually led into a ridiculous uh, false count anywhere match, which involved was it two black bags bags full of monster cans. It was one. Um, that was one. a that was like uh, at the time we had a training uh, the, the training school. There was these, it was in a, it's in a kind of warehouse where, um, North Island Street, which is like just literally right next to Tanadice. And um, we had these old like shelvings, guys would put their gear on it and stuff. And their, but I, I, every time I went to training, I'd have like a can or two of Monster or rel- well, Relentless at the time. And I would leave it. And the boss, uh, the boss would be like really, really annoyed that I'd be leaving these cans everywhere. So other people would add to these, add to this wall, and it became a wall of like empty relentless cans, like you know, six, seven feet. I don't know, probably taller than that, probably eight, nine feet. It was it was these big massive shelves, and um, we'd felt I'd filled it with uh, relentless cans, and um, yeah. So that was kind of a throwback to that because he's like, get rid of your relentless cans. Get every every time I was in, like, you need to get rid of those cans. So eventually, I, was, I saved them up and then I bagged them up and. Uh, I brought them out in the match just as a bit of a <laughs> just a bit of a dig, you know, a bit of fun. Um, but in, in 
in amongst all that, the Scumbucks were born. Uh, yourself, JD Wild, Mighty Fine A, Divine. Uh, say that ten times fast. Uh, how did how did the Scumbucks come about? Uh, we're all like mates, and like they, those guys have been around for a little bit. And um, Eddie had actually Eddie had come in like he was one of the first people because like for a while guys were showing up dressed like me with a coat. Um, throughout like twenty fifteen, so and Eddie was one of those fans. Um, and eventually came on to the training session, and like as a coach at the time, everyone's uh, I was like I was like coaching, and he came along, and everyone's like, oh that that guy that dresses up like he's coming along, and I was like, oh no, he's gonna be a total weirdo, and uh, <laughs> so I was really nice to him and stuff. And uh, but then it turned out Eddie's like one of the like the soundest guys ever, um, and like we all we just get along. We him, JD, um, we all kind of get along and have the same kind of like vibe, um. And we were like, me and JD, I think after, must have been a night out after a show, we we're like, we should do a tag team. And then we're like, you know what? I was like, we should, we should do the, we should call ourselves the Scumbucks because I'm with the hashtag Scumbag. And we're kind of, we look a little similar. We kind of have the same kind of, I don't know, like, I don't know what the word is. Uh, kinda, semester, like aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, we have the same kind of aesthetic. We're kind of JT's really uh, <laughs> a little bit. Um, so like, yeah, and we did it. And at the time, we 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 kind of we we eventually got a chance to do it because I had a match with JD, which I yeah, got one of my favorite matches. Um, because like I love working with guys that can do all the crazy stuff. Um, I love being able to put that together and kind of pushing guys to kind of like do more of it, but might kind of put it together. Um, we had this match, and it was kind of he was just coming out of I don't know what the faction was called. But they all had the I'm a Voldemort guy t-shirts. I can't remember what they were called. Oh, God. Destruction by um, Design. That sounds, yeah, that sounds right. And he was coming out of that. So we had like this, we had this match and then we did the old classic indie handshake after the match. You know, hey, you done a kick-ass job, whatever. Um, and we did that. And uh, yeah, it was cool. Um, and we... Uh, so we, we just started doing these vignettes, these promos, and I was like, I've got these, and I'd, I'd start watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia at the time. That was like, I was like, I was like big into that at the time. So I was like, oh, I want to do something that's like, I think that kind of, the way that worked, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but mm-hmm. um, has that kind of just like general, these are the worst human beings in the planet, but you'll love them. Uh, and I want to kind of have that same kind of vibe with the, the promos and that. So when we'd have like all our, our references, our first promo was talking about like, what do we need? You know, so we need like, you know, all these bad things from the eight, all basically all the things you would see in Dark Side of the Ring. We were like thinking that's what we needed to, to be a tag team. We need to be like this, you know. And we'd say all the kind of things you're not allowed to say, you know, um, do all these things uh, we're not allowed to do. And like people loved it, which was cool. But the office, well, one half of the office wasn't happy with it. Um because I don't know why, but um yeah, he wasn't happy with it because it, uh, it just it was kept under kind of very a very short leash afterwards mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like tried trying to push it away and under the carpet because it's i don't know but we were having a blast it was just you, us having a laugh you know basically yeah you got to do a little bit more up in uh, like upw up, up my end of the world and um, got to, to maybe explore it a little bit more um yeah. obviously in a bit more of a family-friendly setting uh yeah. i would say I, I do no. remember. I do remember standing with an inflatable sheep. I don't know if you were at that show, but uh, 
I'd put cocktail sausages and in the inflatable it was in, inside the inflatable sheep's bum. And uh, I'm standing next to Brian Lang, the referee, and we're in the ring doing a promo when Eddie's doing his Scott Steiner impression. And I, I just I look at Brian Lang, the referee, and I pull a cocktail sausage out the <laughs> out the sheep's rear end, and I, I take a bite and I look at Brian, and Brian just goes, "No, I can't, I can't," and he runs backstage, uh, and he goes, he's just because he obviously got to keep a straight face, and I'm just I'm just trying to like try to break him the entire time, um, but that was fun. And then he came back out, and I was I was I think I was five, I became Fat Jackson, and JD was Prick Jackson, and. Uh, and I just ate crisps the entire match. And I, we would do like really bad versions of like their spots. So I did like a really bad cartwheel into a back rake. Uh, our Mercer driver, our Mercer driver looked really good. Um, yeah, I remember, uh, well, I, I only went to the Bucky ones. I went to the Bucky shows. So I did get to see you a couple of times, which is, which was nice. Cause like I said, I, I, I'd stopped going to, to Dundee in like 2014, something like that. So it was nice to actually see you wrestle again, live and in person. <laughs> it's like, Grace of that. It was just yeah, it was a little bit of a little bit of a throwback to to way back when. Which now I'm looking at it, it was only two years ago. It feels like a lot longer uh, that, yeah. that I stopped <laughs> going down. Uh, so yeah, so you had the, you had the comeback, you had your feud with Felix Fortune. So we mentioned it earlier, we teased it earlier. Your match with Chris Hero. So when you found out he was coming in, did you did you? Just go right. I want the match with them. Were you approached to have the match with them? How did how did it all come about? Well, originally I was supposed to be in the four way in Perth with Ricochet, but I had just come back and I was, I was like, I'm not ready to be in this match. So I was like, I think someone like you know like Scotty Rishio should have that spot. You know, that's more his style. Like me, I wasn't. You had LGT, Stephen Miles, um, Scotty Rishio, and Ricochet. I wouldn't have. I mean, maybe I would have, but, like, I just wasn't there mentally. So I was, like, give it to someone else. And I, I, looking back, I should have taken the match anyway. Um, but then they came up to me and they're like, we're bringing Chris Hero in. And we want you to work him. And you can't turn this one down. And I was like, I was like, absolutely love to. Um, I wasn't so, going to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was kind of like a take it. There you go. Um, which was cool. Um it was, it was such a weird time because it seemed to be bringing in just the most random of, of folks that uh, you had around by that time you had you had Ricochet and you had uh, you had let's say Chris Hero that Cody at some point in there as well Abyss uh, Jeff Cobb it was just a very very weird time that, that you're, you're going to go to the Ardler Complex and see I think, I think David maybe discovered PWG or something at the time maybe he started watching PWG somehow and <laughs> <laughs> He'd gotten someone's high spots login and was uh, just going to do the back catalog of shows. Um, so the, the match itself. So what, what was what was it like? So last time you would have seen Chris Hero in person, he was holding the door open for you. Uh, yeah, very nice of him. And this time he was carrying my bags, you know, <laughs> working his way up. Uh, yeah, young no, boy he is. was awesome. Uh, he, he was really cool. Um, I do. I like. I wish I'd, I'd maybe. When you're when you're working a guy like a an import or like a fly-in or whatever you want, like a, a big name, um, you tend to be like super overly respectful. Because um, I always remember going back to when Martin Stallion tried to call stuff to Colt Cabana, and Colt Cabana went off at him and was having to go at him, you know, going, "Oh, I think you're a vet, whatever." You tell me what to do. So I was like, "Right, I don't want to do that to Chris Hero." 
So I was like, I'm just like, yeah, well, I, I do this and that. And, you know, and he was really cool. And then I was like, the more we start talking, whatever, the more I was like, I was like, well, I could do this and stuff. And the more he was, he was more asking what, like, cause you're kind of, um, the match basically hangs on what they want to do. Um, he did, uh, he did suggest for the finish, he was going to do his moonsault and miss it. And then I was going to put him in a submission. And then I said to him, I said, you don't want to do it in that ring. That ring is, you, you will, <laughs> you will die. <laughs> you will injure yourself. Um, so we, we did some cool stuff. And then it was kind of like, I, I kind of, the style of matches, I was kind of trying to learn how to do. Um, but I actually got to do it with someone who's done those kind of matches, if you know what I mean. So like the kind of the strong style, the big massive trade-offs, you know, like boot at the end to the face. Um, and that was cool and lots of false finishes so, which i love um uh which was it was awesome um and it was cool to learn and it's cool to kind of judge how hard you can hit somebody because like i like that really really hard but then i some guys don't like getting hit really hard and uh, some guys would just want you to like pull it as much as possible but me and chris here were just like lumping each other in the head and yeah it was kind of difficult though because like he kicked me in the face to start with and I don't know where to go from there because you're, you're selling, you're like, you're supposed to build up to these things the way it always been taught. And he kicks me in the face, so I'm like dead. And then he picks me up and then I'm like, and then he hits me in the back and I'm like, ow. <laughs> and he's like, come on, sell for me. And I'm like, I was like, I don't know what to do. This is the start of the match. But um, yeah, we got there in the end. It was cool. Yeah, I kept. I think it's just, it's on YouTube. I'm sure, so people can go and watch it and and, and see the match itself. But yeah, you picked up a, I don't know how many times Chris Hero's lost by submission, but uh, now you've beaten uh, Big Demo and and Chris Hero. That's not a bad uh, alumni. I actually I made a run of T-shirts that I sold one of. Uh, it was backslide. It was based off the Kevin Owens shirt that was out at the time. That was a uh, backslide Ambrose backslide because he cut a promo at the end and he's like, he's like, I remember it was only just the backslide, and I was like, I'm gonna sell some T-shirts with that on it. <laughs> I mean, I loved your merch. The one that I remember is the uh, cigarette packet one, uh, which is a, a particular favourite um, of th- that I saw. Anyway, I always came down to Dundee skint because I spent all the money cutting down, and then it would be like, like I'm poor, <laughs> but uh, but no, you always came out with some some inventive merch. Uh, some not so, I don't know, not so fitting for for the the child audience. But you'd always see no. kids going about with the with the wee cigarette packet. Ambrose may be dangerous, may harm, maybe harm to your health or something like that. Yeah, you I, see them I, just maybe laugh. I have a tendency to do stuff just to pop myself. You know, it's like uh, I remember, I was like, I remember watching, I remember or listening to a Randy Orton interview, and he's just like, you know, I just do whatever works for me and and do things just to pop myself. And I was like, I thought it's kind of like me, so you know what? I'm screwed. I'm gonna kind of just kind of make myself happy and make children walk around with cigarette packets on their t-shirts just to pop myself, you know. <laughs> Mom, can I get the new Ambrose t-shirt? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. There you go. There's there's 15 pounds. Boom. Come back. Cigarette pack on their shirt. <laughs> so who's, who's it harming, really? Yeah, I know. Like, uh, I remember I got in trouble for drawing mustaches on kids at shows when I was like, just okay, that's pro- yeah, that's possibly another. That, that's One kid came up to me and goes, "Can you draw glasses on me?" So all these kids are going about with like Sharpie glasses and Harry Potter scars, and and then uh, the boss comes up to me, and goes, "Why is my kid uh, got Sharpie on his face?" And I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize it was one of Dave's kids." 
uh, had come along as well and I'd, I'd drawn on this his kid's face with a Sharpie and <laughs> I thought it was fun. I thought it was like, you know, like you got face paint in booths. Well, I was signing autographs and I just drew on their faces with Sharpie because they asked me to. So. And then, then they'll go to school on Monday, still with a little bit of, of black on their face yeah, from the, the Sharpie pen. But, I don't think the parents were too happy having to scrub their kids that night. But, but it's still a cool, cool story. And then they're going to go, I made, I went to the wrestling and the wrestler I drew on my face. It was amazing. It was the best day ever. Um, so, you know, like I say, it's, the only person that's harming here is is the parent having to scrub it off the face. I guess they're fine. They've already bought the T-shirt. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to bring in experience, you know, like. So. so after Chris Hero, um, I, said, I think that was the few Felix Fortune after that, which we've kind of touched upon. And then you end up back in the, the future division side of things and you, you got mm-hmm. the race car belt at that point. Yeah. The actual the design of the race car belt actually came um, from a promo I did January 2012. I got this idea. It's up on YouTube somewhere on the, I think it's on the SW YouTube. Um, and I was like, I was going on about trying to get back in the hunt for the future division, and, and I pulled my keys out of the pocket, and I said, I've got the, I've got the keys to the DeLorean, or whatever, something like that. And then he or she'll not be named was like, that's brilliant. I'm going to one day get you a custom future division belt with the, with the DeLorean on it. And I've never seen Back to the Future, so I just put the reference in because it sounded cool, and I don't kind of know what it is. So, um, that's uh, okay. That, that's fine. I don't think I've ever met anyone that hasn't seen Back to the Future. So I'm just, just I might have done once or twice <laughs> when I was younger, but I don't honestly can't say I've sat down and watched it. So but that, that's fine. It was cool and it created, it created a belt, so like, um, which was cool. So there you go. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it was one of, one of my favorite. I mean, you see a lot, you say a lot of things about the company, but their belts always looked amazing, and that that belt particularly was was one of my favorites to to see. Um, I think, I think I a lot of credit of that goes down to, to Paul. Um, who knows what he's doing? So, if I was in charge of belts, everyone would be going around with Walker's crisp boxes over their shoulders, you know. So, I save those pennies. Got to <laughs> can't keep some pennies for for everything else. Uh, so, yeah. So you're back in the future division uh, hunt, and then you end up in a feud. I mean, I'm skipping a year here, but I end up in a feud with Alex Webb, and he said himself, it's probably one of his favorite uh, feuds that he's, they had. When he was when he was at SWE, um, was we, we did you kind of notice how how he was getting on and wanted to take take uh, him under your wing, or we just put together and there's some chemistry? How did how did uh, your time when with I, Alex? When I about? sort of came back in 2015 after my wee break or whatever, I wanted to just like obviously I've done the main event thing, I've done all this. I wanted to kind of just like work with the because we had a lot of younger talent coming in and stuff like that. And I was a coach and there was other great coaches there. Like um, I think the Jack was a coach there as well at the time. And like I had my own kind of, my, my kind of tribe on a Wednesday and we called ourselves Wed Next Tea. And I would be teaching like the advanced class. So I'd be doing a lot of the, the, the drills and like a lot of the, the more kind of advanced stuff. And um, not just like taking a back bump for four hours, you know? Um, and I would kind of select people that I thought from the other class were like had something um, or guys that just like got it really quick or guys that worked really hard. So you didn't have to necessarily have it to get in my class, but it was kind of like a, the Illuminati of SWE. It was kind of like, you know, special, <laughs> special kind of crew. And he, he'd come in, him and guys just come back to them. I can't remember what his gimmick is now. 
Sammy Rikers or something, I think. Okay, right? yeah. yeah. I, those two came around about the same time, and they were both super, super talented. Like, just right away, you could tell they got it. Um, I had them in my class, and uh, Felix Fortune was in my class. Um, and he was at every single session. Um, so I was like, you know what? Like, he was originally going to get – he was, he was. I think, I can't remember if he'd had a match or he was – he was going to get sent back to commentary or ring announcement because they didn't think he was getting it. But like I had seen him doing these promos and training and stuff like that. Um, I know I'm going back here. Um, but like, I was like, give me a feud with him. I'll get him over. Um, we'll make it work. I'll teach him as we go along sort of thing. And I think it worked out. Um, and the same thing, kind of like, uh, we had Alex Webb at the time. He, he was kind of like, probably like the, the guy I hadn't worked with, the guy I wanted to work with. Um, because his like character and promos and stuff, he just had something, you know, he's like successful YouTuber. So, you know, he's got something and I was like, I could do something with that. Cause I like, I like playing off guys with that, you know, can talk and guys that can like, you know, have a bit of something to them, like in the charisma department, you know? Um, and I think it worked really, really well. Um, and like his understanding, he's like, obviously like, younger. So he's got more kind of modern outlook on wrestling and stuff like that. And I'm like a huge, like, I'm still like, a huge, I still watch the modern stuff. Like, I'm not one of these guys that only watches the old stuff. So, like, I'm a huge, I, I've had all this cool stuff and I'm thinking, right, I know what he does, I know what I do. And I know what I want to do. So, we're like, we wanted to put these kind of matches together. But with him, it was really good because we would put on these fine, intricate details in the matches and stuff like that. And he would get it. And it wouldn't be like, wouldn't be like, oh, we, we missed that. It was like, he would get it and we would do it. And like, if I forgot something, he would do it and he would like remind me whatever and stuff like that. And he was really, really good to work with. Obviously he's kind of gone on to better. I think he's, he's I watched like Sam and Stephen Bells now and they're, they're a lot better than they were back when they were at SWE and stuff like that. Um, but, um, it was good. It was good work with him. I really enjoyed working with him. Um, in our match at, uh, Hell for Lycra, I called spots in PS4 controls. So like when we would we would do an OMG, I don't know if you played any of the two K games. Um, sense, yeah. I would grab him and I'd go R one triangle and I'd put his head against the ring post and then go for the OMG moment and stuff like that. And he was just getting really annoyed. It was fun. <laughs> Must be part of him just just buzzing though, because he is a, a a big video game nerd. Uh, as as his YouTube channel, yeah. his very successful YouTube channel has proven. I, I disagree with a lot of what he says, but we'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I get on him about it, but uh, oh yeah, uh, there's, yeah. Some some of the stuff I've watched recently, it, it, I've Spider Man opinion. I love Spider Man, but some of his Spider Man opinions are a bit skewed for my for my liking. But you know, yeah, that's just yeah. it's a whole other story. Um, so, so you you kind of started winding. I don't I don't know where the timeline is where you kind of stopped at SWE, but um, at some point in all of this. Uh, Fair City Wrestling started, and you started wrestling there. They've only had three shows uh, as of recording, so um, you, you had a couple of matches there. But when did you, did you decide to start training FPWA? Um, my mate, uh, like I worked with Nate Stevenson, like we worked together, and he'd been training at SWE, um, and he'd gone down. He because it just opened up and he went down um, and I was like he was saying to me he goes I was like you should go down there because it's close and like you know it's a different and like Andy's you'll learn a lot from Andy 
be good. Um, um, and he went down there and uh, he was absolutely loving it. And he was telling me all the stuff they were doing and all these people they were getting in and stuff and like how good a coach Andy was. And I'd only met Andy once and I'd seen him eating bits and bobs and stuff like that. And he's doing phenomenal now. Um, you know, um, and I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. And then Kerr, uh, John Kerr. I can't remember his gimmick name. <laughs> I, think, I think it's John Kerr. I think that's that's what his gimmick uh, name is. He went down and he'd had his last show end of twenty nineteen. The show me and Jake. I can't remember his gimmick name. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, oh, I, I know it. I know it. Uh, J- oh, God, Jay. No, I know. I know it is. It's 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 escaped rich now. Anyway. Yeah, uh, we'd had we'd had the the light tubes and everything thumbtacks match, and that was our. That was Kerr's last show, so we, uh, and I was speaking to Kerr after, and I was like, you going down there? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate's like, keeps going on about stuff. And he went down, and then, like, lockdown happened. Um, and I'd, I'd kind of just, 2019, got, like, super frustrated. Um, me and uh, uh, Martin and two others, had had, we'd had a four-way for Martin's retirement match. I think it was Chris... Islam and Yunji Maki and Martin had been retired and Dave thought that I had retired too um, and at the time SW had this booking committee and there was different guys and I just assumed alright cool I'll just show up wherever I'll, I'll, I'll message find out what I'm doing um, and for the first time ever he's like oh, I've got nothing for you. you you need to ask one of the other guys one of the other bookers and I just kept getting fobbed off and fobbed off and fobbed off and I was like you know what's going on here and then I heard different reasons of why like I wasn't going to get used nothing official I never had it and I was told oh no no it's just 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 uh, we were just having a wee break and then I, I'd watched a, a Facebook live video where he was saying that like you know old guy he, he referred to me as an old guy as long with he goes all oh, guys like myself and Martin and Ambrose you know we're not going to be doing this much longer and I was like excuse me <laughs> <laughs> um so it, there was a lot of that and obviously we like sort of reconciled and i worked the uh, the only show of 2020 there um but i was like i need i need a fresh start i need a change so like karen and they had been saying great things about fbwa and i went down there myself and absolutely the best training school i've ever been to and like i've been doing this and yeah, on shows, 11 years training since 2007. And uh, it was definitely, I, I can say it's the best kind of environment, atmosphere. Everyone's just like so positive. And what we're, le- we're at, I'm actually, I'm learning stuff. It's cool. Cause like I went to, so I used to go to Source and I learned stuff. But here I feel like I'm learning stuff by being able to put it in practice. And I'm learning things that I may have taught myself, myself. And, um, but I'm learning how to do them, why I do them, stuff in a certain way. And like, the where where we're you know we're learning things that obviously Andy's picking up NXT VCs and stuff like that so we're learning so much uh, and it's just phenomenal it's awesome and I'm glad I did. Was was there anything when when you went in and considering the folk that you were trained with some come from some came from W3L so we've trained for a little bit and and some come from from SWE as well so they've trained a little bit but you're you're there wrestling for over ten years uh, and it was. Did you have to unlearn quite a lot to learn how to do it? Not properly, but at least do it um, a just, different way. Just things here and there. Uh, I do have my bad habits. 
Um, I do. Uh, I I like. I think it's. I I. I think for years, kind of at SWA, when 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 I was a coach, kind of just can't bother doing anything. There was like times in training I had to be there, and I it was like an obligation, but I didn't want to be there. And I was like coaching, and I felt really bad for the guys because like I would give them as much as I could, but at the same time it was just doing nothing for me. Um, and I always remember back to a conversation I had with Demo. Um, it was right when he started getting all these bookings down like south and that when he all of a sudden his career kind of took off and he's like. He's like, you know what? You need to remember that why you're doing this, and you need to remember, you need to focus on yourself. I was just always saying, I was like, this is frustrating. I, I can't, I, I, I never focus on myself, and when I get to shows, I'm everyone's looking a bit crap and not in the shape I want to be in and stuff like this. And um, you need to focus on yourself. And I thought back to that, um, and I thought, I thought back to when I was really, really enjoying what I was doing in wrestling, and that, that was when I was a trainee. So I was like, right, I'm going to go FPW, start, be a trainee. I'm no better than anyone else. Yeah, I've got experience. Yeah, sometimes I'll do some extra little flashy things when we're doing chain just to, I just, you know, just because I want to. <laughs> um, and just like, I'll do all these extra things just, just to practice and stuff like that. But the like, Gandhi doesn't mind me kind of, you know, doing things like that and stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm happy to just get in there, be a trainee and try and keep, try and keep up with the younger guys, which is hard because they're all in really good shape. <laughs> um. But it's it's kind of that I don't know trying to get that um, not momentum uh, motivation that the training motivations there again which is awesome at Spark which I love uh, and when you see where where, where his trainees are, are going um, ones with experience like uh, like like your Omar Mohammeds and your your Talon Juniors and they're making regular appearances on an ICW on the WWE network and it's a not that it's a fast track of, of any description but at least it, it gives you the the right eyes are looking at FPWA yeah. to give you these opportunities and and uh, one thing that, that you've always had is, is is like the gift of the gab kind of thing you've been able to do all these promos and and uh, been able to like market your character uh well and through things like the infamous with the with the skulls and and the slightly unsettling promos uh, to, to watch, yeah. but um, so it kind of does does uh, Andy's letting you kind of do all that, but he's also teaching you the right way. But the way that people will look for if you're looking to use yeah. that motivation to go to yeah. NXT or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, essentially, we're just we're learning from you know someone who's learning from. The, the source, if you know what I mean, like the, you know, NXT UK. And he's obviously got experience. I've got Johnny Lyons there as well. He's, you know, he's got so many years experience working the friends and family circuit, you know, like WrestleZone, you know, SW all over. He's, he's wrestled all these places. So he can kind of give us advice on how to work these kind of shows and how, what, what people are looking what, what fans are looking for, if you know what I mean. Um, and it's great. So it's and it's we're kind of almost like learning to to wrestle for TV rather than just learn to wrestle. You know what I mean? Which is cool. And, and because you've got that experience as well, and you're picking up these little bits, you can do things like the, like the FCW Training Academy, where you can you can pass on this knowledge to them, uh, along with yeah, any bits yeah. that you've picked up along the I way. Popped, popped, popped in a few times there. It's it's, it's really really good. Lots of they've got those guys have got there and stuff like that. Um, I've been along. I again, I just went along uh, a few times just to be a trainee and just, you know, get stuck in, try and get, you know, and 
just because I'm really enjoying it, you know. Um, I don't want to be one of these old timers that comes along and stands and just like, you know, <laughs> I did that for many, many years. And I'm just like, you know, I just want to get back in, stuck in again sort of thing. So you kind of re- like reunited this this passion you have to to, to be a wrestler, not just just yeah. uh, just to be a guy there. I forgot, uh, I forgot how awesome it is going to my work and having bruises all over myself and having to explain that. <laughs> Um, so I mean that, that kind of takes us up today with the wrestling stuff, and I know that we're we're fast approaching two hours of chat here. So we'll we'll uh, I'm gonna just just lay on our, on our couple of bits and pieces, and uh, then we can we can both go. Just well, I'm gonna go to sleep. You you, you said you're you're working later, so that's a that's a whole different thing. But we've got I've got my two stupid questions. We'll get them out of the way. Uh, what's your favorite dinosaur? Uh, I referenced this in a promo, actually. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, if you've seen that promo. Uh, uh, if you if you tagged me, I probably have, and I've forgotten what you said. <laughs> I, I said the uh, the asteroid that wiped them all out. Oh, that's a great answer. No, that's uh, yeah. I like them <laughs> as 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 tenuous as possible. So that's yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I because I I've, I've seen, I've, I watch I, I watch um, when I can I get a chance and watch the podcast and I'm like. I was like, you know, I'm trying to, I'll try, I'll try and, because uh, I keep, I keep tagging you and stuff on, on, on Twitter and stuff like that, just to kind of just poke, poke the bear. <laughs> so I mean, because your promos are that unsettling, I can't I remember think... which promo was, but I, I referenced it in a promo. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but but uh, before, because you kept tagging me in it and you were giving these like creepy promos, I'm like, does he like me? Is he just doing this to just just like unsettle me entirely? And then eventually, I was like, because because I could potentially, um, I might not be recording for a couple of weeks, uh, like after this week. Um, so I was like, nah, screw it. I'm just gonna message him. We'll just see if he ignores me. Ignores me. I'll know then <laughs> he doesn't like me. And uh, here we are. Uh, so two, two hours later, and we're we're, uh, we're we're still we're still chatting. So that's a, yeah. always a good. No, thing. I I don't follow people I don't like. So if I don't follow you, I probably don't like you. So. And if I, if you follow me and I don't follow you back, then I, I don't know who you are. So <laughs> that's fair. And another question we ask everyone then is: I would win a fight, two sheep or one cow. The carnivore. I mean, I was trying to think which one was the carnivore, and then you confused me there. So that was, I don't know. So, okay, fair enough. That's a different answer from what we've been given in the past. But, you know, um, again, that's the question. For anyone listening that want to ask me any follow-up questions, I'm not going to give you anything. It's two sheep versus one cow. I don't care what your answer is from that point. You just need to give it to me. And Ian's went for, for the carnivore. There we go. <laughs> so outside of wrestling, oh, before before we finish the wrestling bit, uh, how pissed were you when Dean Ambrose debuted? Yeah, man, I was like, what? Well, I was a huge fan of John Moxley before he was in WWE. Like, I loved loved his promos. Like, some of my stuff early on was very kind of inspired by like what he was doing. Um, his just cadence and stuff like that really kind of stuck out to me. And I was like, oh, he's signed to signed to FCW. Um, Florida Championship Wrestling, um, and I was like, my mate goes to me, oh, have you seen, you seen uh, what John Moxley's going to be called? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, Dean Ambrose, and I was like, like, I was like, man, and I'd, I'd been on shows for like, what, a year, maybe a year and a half, so like, I've always had the question, are you just a big, either people either A, think I'm a big, like, Dean Ambrose fan, or, uh, you know, like, or I'm related to him. So like, 
Do I tell kids it shows that I am related? I am related to him. Um, it's not really a good look because I've got this mug my my son gave me years ago. So, <laughs> but no, yeah, no, I was. I, I think it's. I, I I love watching stuff now, man. Um, and it's cool that he's gone back to Moxley. So I get my name back. And I think, I think someone you. someone should book a match me and him with the uh, the name on the pole, kind of uh, or something. I don't know. And you know, inevitably, before he comes back and gets inducted into the Hall of Fame as uh, as Dean Ambrose, you'll just uh, <laughs> keep your name as long as you can. <laughs> name tag on a pole match. Hi, my name is and on a pole. You know. Yeah, well, why not? I'm sure there's plenty of companies that. I mean, I, I'm sure when you said uh, when Mox was signed for FCW, John's probably just listening, going, "Wait, what? What have we done?" Who did what when? And then uh, there's your match right there. It would, it would have to be a death match, but with a name tag and a pole. So we're killing each other, and there's this name tag hanging. You know, we're like covered in blood, and you know, sticking sharp objects in each other. You know, just for the right for the name. Get the weed whacker out and and uh, all that jazz. Uh, so moving away from wrestling, then we've asked my, my silly questions. Um, you're you're an avid collector of of wrestling figures, still kind of wrestling related. Avid collector of wrestling figures and also comics as well. So, um, yes. was this just uh, like a, a childhood thing that you've now that you've got disposable income, you can go? I'm just just going to get everything no, I want. Honestly, or... I I I I don't know if it was like my midlife crisis because I probably only got left about sixty. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the uh, um, when I had about 30 I just suddenly got into it I don't know if I was I can't remember I watched a couple of movies of the MCU and stuff like that I'd seen Batman Batman's you know everyone loves Batman um, but I was like I started to get super into it and I started watching the MCU and one day I went out because of my disposable income I went out and bought like everything on DVD like right up until up to the latest stuff um, and I watched it and then I, started, I was watching a couple of movies and I was like wait there's kind of something going on here and then I realized I googled it and I was like oh I need to watch these in order. And then it totally made sense. And I was like, um, so yeah. And now I've got like a ton of comics and just ton of, I, I literally about a month ago, me and my son both started collecting Marvel Legends figures. So that's where my money's going right now. Um, I think we have, he's got three, I've got four sitting there now. Um, but yeah, like I've I got another one on the way. Up. I keep I've buying them up because uh, uh, my wife's a humongous fan of, of Sebastian Stan for reasons that I don't know why. I but, have uh, a, I have a uh, the new Winter Soldier on pre-order. Uh, I was watching. I, I this is how bad it's getting. I'm, I was watching the Hasbro PulseCon, um, which is the upcoming figures and stuff that are coming out. All the stuff coming from Hasbro and uh, Marvel Legends, and I sat and I watched it, and then I instantly went off and I pre-ordered uh, the Sebastian Stan Winter Soldier. Marvel Legend, which is not coming out until April. But I'm like, take my money. Because Winter Soldier is my favorite. But Winter Soldier is probably my favorite Marvel movie, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. So, that was my next question. Which one's your favorite? But you've, you've answered it there. But no, that, that's, that's... That, or, that or Infinity War. Infinity War purely because of the ending. Yeah, of course. Of course it is. And if I've learned anything. Of course, that was, would be your favorite for the ending. But no, I, I went to see that at midnight, and that was. Three o'clock in the morning, seeing them. See, am I spoiling it at this point? It's it's years old, but yeah, see, seeing them, the heroes uh, dust out uh, at three o'clock in the morning, just going, wait, what? What's? I got to go home now. What's what's this? Yeah, I I happening? um I went I went with my son and his mom, and she tagged along, and we we were watching it, and um, 
yeah, I, I had to sit in the car. We went to Tesco's after, and they went into the shop, and I had to sit in the car for like 10 minutes, just less. And it was mental because, like, I don't know if, if it was if when you seen Endgame, if, if it was the same at your cinema, but everyone was standing up cheering and clapping at the end of the movie. Like, it's weird. It was like being a wrestling show. And, like, I'm standing up clapping. Uh, Miles, he's standing up clapping, and his mom's sitting there going, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. And, like, everyone else in the cinema is, like, cheering. Someone out, someone out there, Johnny Lyons, is fuming. <laughs> yeah. It's caper. Uh, but, no, but thankfully nobody did that at, at our cinema, because I would have just... I, I would have enjoyed what I saw, but I would have been furious that folk were doing that, because, like, where are we, America? Sit down. Sit down. No, it, well, it was, it was at the end of the, end of the movie. It was the uh, end of the movie, kind of end scene credits, whatever, and the... Everyone just stands up, starts clapping. It was, I don't know if, if you've seen the videos on YouTube, but like mm-hmm. people on YouTube doing it, but that was like that. The uh, Cine World in Dundee it was like, uh, it's crazy. It was awesome. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's certainly, I, I mean, I, yeah, I love the MCU films. So that's, that's, and, and even though I've, I've, I was able to, to convince my parents to get me a Mjolnir year as well, that was my Christmas present one year, a big plastic <laughs> hammer. So I think it's foam. I, I mean, it, it's still, that, that's my weapon. If anyone comes into this house, that's what they're getting smacked with. And if that could just be, I'll confuse them more than anything. I've also got a shield hanging downstairs. I got the America shield. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a uh, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's, I'm not quite at that stage yet for memory. I don't really have room for it because my wall's just like covered in, like I'm looking now, I've got like WWE stuff on my wall, which is probably going to get pushed to the side um, a little bit. And I'm getting a cabinet and everything. And, you know, I'm going to probably get, like, me and my son are going to fill a, fill a cabinet filled with the, our uh, our Marvel Legends, um, but we went we went we went shopping in Glasgow and we were so disappointed. Well, he was, because he he's he's literally going for like he's just kind of super gone to Spider Man lately. Like he's kind of watched it before stuff like that and seen the movies and that, but he's like super gone into it. So he's wanting to get Sinister Six, and like all right, their run I don't know a couple of years ago last year was when all the and all those kind of figures go like super super expensive really really quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So he's managed to get two, um, but he's, yeah. So we went to Glasgow and they had all these, I, I could have spent hours. I went to Urban Planet for the first time and I was like, this is amazing. I, I want to move in here. <laughs> and he's standing there going, dad, they don't have anything. They don't have anything I want. So we had to walk all over Glasgow, all the stores. I think they were, like, I knew that had, had like action figures and stuff. And it was a wasted trip. He didn't spend any money. That that sounds familiar. I I went down to, to Glasgow last month and uh, or or some not long ago anyway, and I went for Bidden Planet and I loved it. I mean, I, I, everything I wanted it was like I want everything in here. And then I unfortunately your your son was my wife going. Uh, oh, they don't have any Winter Soldier stuff here. They don't have any Winter Soldier stuff here. And I'm like, but look at all the other stuff they have. Like, no, nah, there's no Winter Soldier stuff. We're gonna go to the other one. Went to the other one nothing and it was just like it ended up uh, just, uh, wandering around and I was able to nab like a, a wrestling pop or something like that just just so it wasn't a wasted journey entirely at Forbidden Planet but um, yeah it's my, it's my my entire pop vinyl collection apart from two have all been gifts uh, people just buy me them uh, which I love which is awesome but like I, I've only ever actively went out and bought two and I have about I don't know probably got about like probably about 20 there um, but like I've only ever actually went out and bought two. <laughs> but it's a nice safe bet uh, present nowadays because yeah, my, an easy gift. Yeah, I mean, I think bar the wrestling ones. Yeah, the rest of mine have been gifts because because Kelly always like panics that I've already got one or 
um, or if it's the wrestling ones, she doesn't know who they are. She'll go to the live shows, but she doesn't care about WWE. So she, she's like, I don't know which ones you've got. I'll get you, I'll get you the Marvel ones. Don't worry. But I've got a funny feeling that these uh, Lucha ones, I think I've got a couple of those hidden somewhere in this house that I'll find in, in at Christmas time. Um, but I can wholly cross my fingers because I've been told, pretty much I've been told, you can buy WWE pops, but you're not allowed to buy anything else, any other ones. It's like, okay. And what have you got hidden in this house somewhere? There's there's more. Um, but but my yeah. Son, so. my, my, my son's just discovered the cupboard, uh, which I hide things in for Christmas. He can reach it now and he knows stuff goes in there, I think. I think. So I'm going to have to move presents this year. I'm going to have to find a new hiding spot. So. Uh, well, thankfully, my wife's five foot four, so I just put everything at the top of stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, this is a whole different podcast, which we might end up doing a part two somewhere down the line, because I'm sure there's there's plenty of stories, I and mean, we only scratch the surface of your trip to Wales. Um, we'll, we'll probably get into <laughs> some other time. But uh, have you yeah, ever so, have you ever get Alan on again before me? Ask him about Wales. Um, I will. So then I, I don't have to be the one that tells a story. So. I'm ho- I'm sure I will get him on at some point because uh, we're hoping to do more discovery stuff. So uh, I'm sure we will. And I'll, I'll, I'll just go, oh, this is all great about your company. But what about Wales? You just tell me all about that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, before before we wrap up then, um, for, for I think, uh, a two-hour episode. Jeez, oh, I could have. Sorry. No, <laughs> I'm absolutely cool with it because time flew. I was looking at it going, that can't be the time already. Um, so before we wrap up then, where can people find you on social media? Where can people see your promos and, and uh, find out more about the infamous Ian Ambrose? Uh, I am the infamous Ian Ambrose on Facebook, I think. Um, I am the infamous IA on Twitter. My Instagram is personal just now, um, but I will eventually get, probably get a kayfabe Instagram. Uh, I'm, just because I don't want people adding me on Instagram and <laughs> but my personal it's hard it's hard <laughs> having my name and my my gimmick name being the same thing um but i just love people chant my name so uh that's, that's why i never changed it <laughs> um so yeah don't add me on facebook or message me at like four o'clock in the morning asking if i play xbox because i i get those messages uh people randomly <laughs> randomly messaging going hi ambrose hi ambrose hi i'm like don't <laughs> so yeah you can follow me on my facebook my instagram uh, and my twitter uh, i have a youtube as well i don't know what my youtube channel I, all i did to find some of them was just type in ian ambrose and it i do have up, a channel so. and I, I upload to everything up to that as well and you can go all the way back and watch some i think most of my promos are old promos are on there i've got one or two that i had to take down because i was getting in trouble for them but i think all the scumbuck stuff's still up there even though it probably maybe I don't. I might get cancelled if people go back and watch some of that stuff. So I might need to take them down. But um. so, so if you're listening to this when this goes out and you go onto Ian Ambrose's YouTube, there might not be anything there. But you know, stuff was coming. <laughs> stuff was coming. Uh, and then just before we, we finish off, then we have mentioned things like uh, John Moxley and, and 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 that. But if you had to pick one person to main event WrestleMania with, who would it be? Dead or alive, or alive, or. I mean, you'd, you'd definitely win if they were dead, but uh, we'll, we'll go with something uh, that's possible. I, I was wondering if it was like an all-time thing, or uh, well, okay, if, if you've got if you've got an answer in the in the like for for a, a dead person, then yeah, throw it out there. But who who's who's something you could possibly <laughs> face at WrestleMania? Could I pick the match just because? I, I, yeah, okay. Uh, I think purely just 
because it would be so different and uh, it would have that shock factor. I, I would I would do myself and Nick Gage in the main event of WrestleMania um, in a death match. Uh, so that anytime the WrestleMania highlight package played, you'd have like Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, uh, Shawn Michaels, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Nick Gage, Ian Ambrose in a death match, you know. <laughs> I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> That's the best way to wrap up. But yeah, th- thanks very much for for speaking to me today on the podcast. This has been, uh, like I, say, I think we've barely scratched the surface. We'll have to get part two sometime in the future. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah.